and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 110. Let's roll. And uh, congratulations to Philadelphia. Just want to say congratulations. Um, Really, really proud of your basketball team getting their first win. So I just, you know, I didn't want you to think I didn't notice. I did. I did, Philadelphia. Congratulations. I know Michael P. Duncan is super excited about the James Harden uh, step back bricks. I mean, he loves them. He loves the Embiid flopping. And that's why he's been so excited. I've seen him on Twitter just getting all excited about Philadelphia. I assume it's for the 76ers' first win. I don't know if there's anything else going on. Oh, maybe it's the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles are good. Um, so it's probably the Eagles. I don't think there's anything else. But, uh, you know, we'll see if we can't figure out some more stuff and uh, have some more conversation about that. Maybe he'll play the uh, Philadelphia 76ers theme song to end this episode, too. This episode's going to be straight fire. One of my favorite guests, but let alone one of your favorite guests. Everybody uh, really loves it when I have Mr. Scott Connor on the show. Y'all know him. You can find Scott on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. I love Scott. He is my kindred spirit, except he works hard. That's the difference uh, here in the dynasty space. So without further ado, Mr. Scott Connor, what is going on, my brother? Mr. Jax Falcone, another Scott. Yes, Glad to be yes. back. This is like our fourth or fifth time we've potted together, and it's always it's always fun. It always challenges me. It always makes me go back and go, you know what? In another world or in another realm, we would have like a show where we were hosting it together. Yes, and sir. all we did was just like 24-hour dynasty potting. <laughs> but the people, would, the people would love it. Yeah, there's not enough hours in the day, but no, glad yeah. to be back, man. This should be fun. It, we're literally in the middle of the rat race of the season. It feels yes. like I was just thinking this morning, I got up, checked a bunch of waivers that it went through, and I'm like, I cannot believe it is week eight. Yes. And it, it feels like it's been forever since we had like rookie drafts and whatnot, but it also, I know in like six weeks, I'm going to be going, where the hell did the season go? Uh, so you have to just enjoy the week. I try to enjoy every day. Every day is different. We're going to start to get into practice reports and then lineup setting for Thursday night. Just try to enjoy it. Try to relax day by day, but the dynasty grind never stops. That's right. No, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty funny too. I was thinking about like when we've had our shows and when we talk and I don't think we've ever done one, you know, right around now. I'm not, I'm not sure, but you know, there's always that interesting, like, um, you know, different times of the season and how your dynasty brain should be operating. And I think we've got a pretty cool show because we're going to do something really cool uh, at some point during the show about um, sort of dissecting a team. And you gave me one of your teams and I gave you one of my teams. And we're going to ask each other what we would do in those situations. And I think it's important because like, you know, a lot of times people will say, and I think you even mentioned it to me when we were chit-chatting before, it's like, you know, would you do this or that? And it's like, well, can you even do this or that? You know, and do you even have that situation? So many people ask uh, theoreticals, but it's really in real time, what should you be doing with various types of team structures? And I think that's kind of what we want to touch upon a little bit uh, during the show. Yeah. I mean, and it's, uh, I also want to kind of talk to you a little bit about what you're viewing as different in dynasty now versus even a couple years ago, because I think we're starting to see kind of an evolution of the common dynasty player. Uh, we're seeing information overload. I mean, if you just follow 
the right group of people on Twitter or you're subscribed to even just a couple places that are focusing their content on Dynasty, it, it is you're, – you're never not going to have the information that most of your league mates have. Like some right. of us have more. Some of us are more obsessive. I'm absorbing more information. But I don't think the information is an edge anymore right. for the most part. And so right. then it comes down to how can you read the room? How can you read the room faster than everybody else? And how can you kind of predict where things are going to go in the next six to 12 months and start acting on it now? Even if you're wrong, if everyone in the room with me has the same information, I don't have an edge by just going, well, I know something that you don't because I really, I really don't, especially when you're out there creating content. People will listen and they'll go, oh, I know what Scott thinks. So let me yeah. go back to the league and I almost have to do the opposite sometimes. We've talked about that before, zigging when everyone else is zagging. But now we're in this game that is just so reactive yes. to everything. Week to week, month to month, day by day, honestly. But mostly it's week to week during the season. But then I sit back and I go, I don't think that's wrong. Like, I, I think you just have to kind of roll with that and go, you know what? If I try to play like a true dynasty long-term evaluation game, there's going to be other sharp people in the league that are that are just eating me up. So yeah. you kind of have to abandon that. We're almost turning into like an immediate gratification game, and it's been a kind of a whirlwind compared to what it was even just three or four years ago. Yeah, and I think if you're brave enough, because sometimes I think it, and then I'm like, you know, a, a, like a brave enough to to go against the crowd, you know, and it's like everybody was like, nah, Amari Cooper. If you'd have been like, no, no, let's buy some Amari Cooper. I think he's buying low. But what happens is you get that fear based analysis where you're like, dude, I don't want to be buying Amari when he's falling, and you know, he's gonna suck, and it's gonna be awful, and you know, or sell pits before the season. No, I don't want to sell pits. It's going to be awesome. He's going to be a league winner. And so sometimes it's hard to sort of zig when everybody else is zagging, even if you sort of feel it in your bones, like maybe this is the right thing to do. You, you know, you have that, I don't know if it's fear of looking stupid in front of your league or just fear of making a mistake. I think we all have that. And certainly I've played with some some dynasty players. Uh, you know, Chris, one of them, my nemesis who I had on once, it was a great show, but like, he has like no fear, you know? And so he'll just do shit. And sometimes he fucks up, you know, just like we all do in dynasty. We've all made a bad trade or all made a bad you know, decision, but he will, he will just go for it. And I think sometimes you need a little bit of brash balls uh, in this uh, game to make sure that you're not just playing it real conservative, because I don't think conservatism is really the way to go. I think you have to have a focus, go at it and, you know, just let, let the chips fall where they may. Uh, does that make any sense? It does. And I think the biggest thing is you have to be willing to probably adapt to the changes faster than you're comfortable with because, and and I don't think it's wrong. I I sat back after a first couple weeks and I'm sitting here going like, you have some players like Christian Kirk started off extremely hot. Yeah. And he's been the same guy basically his entire career, but all of a sudden (laughs) people are paying a first plus to get him because they're projecting what they're thinks going to happen over the next eight, 12 weeks. Yeah. They're thinking they've got the next Cooper cup or something like the guy who's like middling who boom, uh, that's him. Fast forward. He has a couple bad games and it's, he's just a guy again. Yep. And I don't think either one of those evaluations are wrong, but I also think the fact that the span can be so wide on the same player who's been around for a while. This isn't a rookie where we're not sure what it is. This isn't a brand new situation for like, you know, it's, I know it's a new offense for the quarterback, but it isn't like, a a change on like a trade happening overnight or something. But the fact that there is such a wide range of outcomes, just like in his market 
not just his value, but his market within a couple weeks tells you that like there are a lot of people that are they're they're fearless on going, you know what? I'll buy on the way up. I'm selling on the way down. I don't really care if I have to wait, you know, a year to get my value back or whatever. It's just like week to week. Almost someone said it in our Patreon chat, like after week two. They go, man, Dynasty, it feels like Dynasty is just becoming like a DFS game within my league every single week (laughs) where teams are literally going out there making trades based on, (laughs) oh, man, this guy's going to smash this week. And at the same time, I look at some of the deals that they make and I'm like, they're not wrong. They're kind of just playing what the current market is in certain, especially when you're looking at like receivers that are in the, you know, wide receiver three range or the running back two range, they're there isn't even a reason to care which players you have in those ranges. Give me yeah. the guy that's not hurt. Give me the guy that's attached to the great offense yep. and I'll worry about it later. Yep. And if that player fades out in three weeks, I'll sell him and I'll get another guy. And it, it feels like if you can, if you have the economy where your league allows you to like churn and burn players like that, and they're all constantly chasing the profile or what could be down the road, you can eat them up because people will be like, oh, man, I believe in that player. I'm willing to wait until 2023 for him to produce. And you're going, well, dude, you're you're going to trade me, I don't know, th- this player for that player. I really don't see their range of outcomes more than a year out, and I don't think it's that different. So you're right. going to give me the one that's smashing right now, and then that's in right. three weeks we can switch, <laughs> and I don't have to pay you a tax? Right. Like That's kind of been what, what Dynasty is becoming. I don't know if I love it. But I also can't argue with the people that are doing it, and yeah. I think that's where some of the people that have no fear that they, they look at a, a person that goes, "Oh, I'm, I'm building for a couple years, and they're going to play it real slow and conservative." And I'm like, "Man, those guys aren't going to win now because they're not trying to win." But I almost feel like in a couple years, they're they're still going to be behind the eight ball because the lens they're looking at the game through is just different. It's like things are moving too fast for them to keep up. Yeah, and I've, I've, I think every league is different too. Like you're obviously referencing a couple of your sicko leagues, right? You know, where guys are very fearless, right? Where they are very, you know, like if, if they're playing it like a, like a DFS slate, you know, if, I mean, obviously he's half joking, but he's not, you know, is like then obviously those are the guys that I think are super aggressive. But you'll play in some leagues where guys are so fear-based where they're just like, I'm not sure. You know, it's very hard to get them to engage on a trade. And and so I watch those guys. I'm like, look, man, you, you're going to you, – I don't tell them this, but I'm thinking in my head, you're going to struggle because, like, n- no matter what you're doing, you're basically just so slow to the punch and so reactionary and so uh, afraid to kind of make a series of moves because oftentimes it's the series of moves. You know, it's like you do this, then you do that, then this, and all of a sudden I've got three first or, or whatever. You know, it's like – you know, you kind of want to put your chips in one area so that way you're at least betting on one thing. Like, you know, we'll, we'll go through it, but you just sent me your team and it's got like five first round picks. Well, that's great. You know, it's a it's a non-contender with picks. Okay, great. We understand what it is. You know, it's when you have sort of a shim-sham, like, you know, and, and it's like, well, what is this team even doing? Like, you've got a couple of young guys, a couple of old guys. It's kind of competing. You don't really have picks. It's like, what is this? You need to get something going with this. Either compete and sell you. You know, you got to figure this out. Like this is just a, a a mediocrity team forever. And look, when I'm playing, I love seeing those teams in there. I just wish they'd be a little bit more active here and there, so I could poach them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and this brings up a point that I'm sure we can 
we can dissect a little bit more, but I was thinking about this and we had a long discussion in the, the Destination Devi Discord about this on – and I don't know if you're noticing this too, but in a lot of my leagues, I look at the team right now that is scheduled to draft Bijan Robinson, right? They're their favorite yeah. to get the 101. Then I look at their team and I go, okay, this is like a poverty team. Like they don't yeah. really have anything. And they're banking – they have put all their chips in, A, tanking for this pick. Yes. B, they've put all their chips in that as soon as they get that pick, someone's going to come a call into them with this package that is going to reboot their dynasty team Right. into, man, now I have some assets to work oh, with. Here's- or Scott, hey, Scott, or even worse, I've seen uh, teams where they, they think that that player – is going to reboot their dynasty team. Like, I've got the 101, Bijan, boom, here we go. It's like, dude, the whole squad is dog shit. You're going to have, like, well, it's and, not going to help. But, and yeah. especially if it's a team where, I mean, in the, the league I'm talking about right now, I'll let you kind of give your opinion on it later, but it's a 2QB league. The yeah. QB scoring is not friendly if you don't have good ones. Right. And so – you get a team that might get the 101, but it's like, man, your quarterbacks are, you know, Jared Goff and Davis Mills. And it's you're you're banking that someone is going to come to you and go, here's two future firsts and a good wide receiver and maybe a couple seconds. And like I'm getting the three plus first package for a running back. Right. And I think the danger is I see a lot of teams. I, I went through this exercise. I haven't gone through all of them, but I've gone through about 10 leagues and looked at the team with the 101. And I go, you could stick. Cooper Cup on this team right now, it still wouldn't be in the playoffs. Right. And so what happens when you go to trade that Bijan share and it's nine of the 12 teams in the league are like, dude, I'm scared to death to buy a running back, let alone right. give you both my future first and another starter just to get a running back. Like, yeah. what, what do you do in those circles? And that's going to happen in those leagues where they're less active where you have four or five teams where you look at them, like you said, and you go, I don't know what the hell the plan is for this team, but that's certainly not the guy that is aggressively going out there and trying to grab your Bijan, you know? Like, so what do you do in that circumstance? And you ask somebody, I go, well, what do you do if you're not getting any offers for the pick? Do you just make the pick and then gamble that the guy's going to play enough games without getting hurt to then resell sometime later on in the season or, do you stick to the process and take the best that you can get and hope you can compound that into a couple more assets? But I can see this problem, and I my, my major point is I wonder if we're actually seeing it go to the extreme where Bijan may actually be attainable because of the current running back market. Because you have some teams that are like, dude, I, I, I can't put a running back on this team. Get, give me a package of something, even if it's 70% of what I think the package should be worth. But I need a package. I know right. process-wise I need a package. And I wonder if that's going to make it to where like, he's accessible. If you have like a 103 and you're willing to give a 103 and a 112 in a second, like you can snag Bijan. And I think it might be attainable more so than we think. So it's an interesting yeah. debate. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you were talking, I was thinking like what do you do? And, and you know, it, it got me really thinking. And I was like, man, one of my worst teams is a team that I traded future first to get a player. Is Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, that didn't work because he got hurt last year. And then some other things fell apart around the team, right? Whatever. And now, all of a sudden, the team sucks. And I don't have my first, so I'm, I'm, I can't tank because I don't even have my first. And the team's not good enough to win. But yet, I have Christian McCaffrey, who's not worth as much as I gave up for him. And, now what, and, and then you sort of get yourself trapped. And I think, ultimately, when you're in those traps, you really just need to – 
to transact your way out of it by just trying to get younger and younger. And sometimes it's just incremental moves. Like, you know, I sort of criticize the Jacksonville Jaguars draft a couple of years ago when they literally just sat there and just took picks. And like they they didn't they had this gift of having I forget how many picks, but it was like 12 picks in the draft and like also like seven in the top 75 or some crazy thing, like six in the top 75. Uh, certainly seven or eight in the top hundred. Like they had a bunch of premium picks. They had the 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 one hundred and one where they took Trevor Lawrence. They had the one twenty or twenty two where they took ETN. They had the first pick of the second round. They had the tenth pick of the second round, and they didn't trade any of those picks. Now I don't think they should have traded the one point oh one. I think that's a smart move. Get yourself a quarterback and then move on. But I thought they should have been like, even if they just trade back five spots, ten spots, whatever. And in a rookie draft, you can do the same thing. You can sometimes you can just trade back for more value and more value, more value. And when you have a shitty team, you need a lot of things. So it doesn't matter which player you take. You should be when you suck, the only thing you should be looking to do is add value. Just add value in any transaction. I'll just add future value, get younger, add value, add value. And the best way to do that is through the draft because let's face it, you know, you could have traded back from uh Drake London and gotten Chris Olave. And in this particular case, you'd be like, whatever, worked out perfect. I have just as good a player, plus I got a whatever you got, right? You know, so those ideas, we get so married to, no, no, dude, I got to get London here. He's so much better or whatever, right? Or I got to get Bijan. I'm, you know, sometimes it's better to just keep trading back because that one player doesn't change your team. So you might as well just add as much value as you possibly can. That's all your goal is. Your goal isn't to make a lineup or to think you're competing because you're not. It's just continuously add value until you're all of a sudden like, Oh, look at that. I'm good. Yeah, and the first piece of advice they give to somebody that has a roster like that, and they say, hey, I'm not contending. Two things. You need to be the aggressor, and you need to, that is the time during the year where you need to pay the most attention to your team. You need to grind out every roster spot. Yep. Anytime a quarterback gets a spot start, you need to be shopping them. Take two-fourths. Yep. <laughs> take a third. Anytime a running That's back right. gets a spot start, take a third yep. if you can get it. If you can't yes. do that take two fourths. I have teams like that where I didn't want to sell Eno Benjamin or Jamal Williams for less than a second, but you know what? Two weeks go by, nobody offers a second, I'll take a third. Because you yep. know what? If I can gain a one draft slot, you're telling me that's not the worth the difference between a, a third and a fourth? And people don't yep. think about it that way. I see way too many bad teams, quite frankly, shitty teams that are trying to tank, and I look at their roster, and they're still rostering, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, and it's like, dude, every one of those guys should be a cut. You should be picking up next week's Deion Jackson, Craig Reynolds, Jamichael Hasty, and then post it in the chat. Available for a fourth, available for a third, available, (laughs) I'll give you a third and two players for a second. Like, that's where all the attention should go. When you're contending, a lot of my contending teams – I'll grind the waiver wire. You know, I'll still make some of those like that we talked about on our last pod this summer when I have the contending teams. I'm still every once in a while looking to pull extra assets from my contending teams and push some of that equity into draft picks. But my contenders, they're kind of just rolling. I'm kind of hoping that they're the lineups stay healthy and I set them. And usually my roster spots are mostly spoken for. Right. But I think now, like when you're when you're in that spot where you don't give a shit what happens. That's the time where you need to be on everybody else's asses. Like, hey, man, I see, you know, you're trying to start this running back this week. He may not play. You want this extra player to throw on the back just in case you need a spot start at the end. Like, right. that's when you need to pay the most attention. Every roster spot should be maximized. 
Because next year, if you're the guy that has five thirds and four fourths, guess what? You might be able to move one of those up three slots and pick a player. And that player could turn into Damian Pierce. So you could flip for a first during the season and then boom, bingo. you have another first where maybe you couldn't ever buy that quarterback. But now you got three firsts in the future and maybe you got a shot now to buy the next Jalen Hurts when he start to be you know, a top five producer for the next four years. Like it compounds, it snowballs. And a lot of people go, well, I'm rebuilding. And then I look at their roster and I go, dude, it's like a 40% inefficient roster. You're not right. really rebuilding. You're just sitting back and being lazy. And then in a couple of years, guess what? The team that is grinding, and even if their team starts to age out, the grinder that's still putting in the work every day is still going to be a better spot than you. Yep. So I think that's the biggest mistake you see with some of these teams that are tanking for Bijan. I look at their team and it's like, dude, you're you're leaving a lot of meat on the bone, even though you're going to get the 101 you're whiffing on a lot of other value that you're just literally letting slip by week by week. Week by week. That's it. And, and right now, right now is when all those teams, I just saw it and I'm in, I'm in a league with a few undroppables and uh, Vivek is a hell of a fantasy football player. Let me just tell you, uh, fantasy and sport on Twitter, just go follow him. He's really smart. He's like legitimately genius level smart and uh, he's an undroppable. He's great. Anyway, he's in this league and he's lost it like the last two years and his team is dope and he just made all these trades like he future first. He, he, he just he did great. Just totally revamped his team as me, Chalk and Vivek on the top. I think Dukes is in that. But regardless, I'm like, oh shit, he just made some trade. And it's because now's the time. He knows it. He knows he's got a chance to win. He's got a good squad. And he's just going to – he traded a, a, a couple times with Dan Brown. He just went to Dan and was like – and Dan's got a good team, but he just kind of swapped some shit around, moved the deck chairs around. Uh, I forgot who he gave up. He gave up a tight end and then got Kittle back. You know, and it's like – I forgot who the hell he gave up. I don't think it was a pitch trade, but it doesn't matter. You know, he just improved his team in a tight end premium. And, and I was like, fuck, I could have used Kittle. You know, I could have used Kittle. Uh, of course, I have Kelsey and Waller and Frymuth and Taysom Hill. I'm I'm tight end tough in that league. I'm going to win it anyway. Uh, I haven't won that league. But you get the point. It's like now's the time when a contender does want to make some purchases. You don't think Eckler is someone who, like if you're somehow on a team that Eckler's your only good player, you can sell Eckler for the moon. Whereas before, he, he wasn't there. Kittle, same thing right now. All of a sudden, he's the moon because tight end's a wasteland. Pitts ain't the guy. If someone's got Kelsey and you're trying to compete with him in a tight end premium league, you might have a shit team with Kittle, and you don't want a shit team with Kittle. So you might as well sell him. Yeah, I mean, and, and piggybacking off that, another thing that I see a lot of people doing is they stick to their priors yeah. when they're in the midst of contending yep. on players who are injured. I mean, let's face it. Uh, yep. Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, and Mike Williams right now. Mike Williams, Guess what? Yeah. They're, they're fucking hurt. Yep. <laughs> they're probably all going to be impacted, if not out, for the rest of the season. Yep. So to sit there and go, you're going to be picky as to which wide receiver two or wide receiver three you're going to take in place of them because, well, you just feel that DK Metcalf is so much better than, I don't know, say, Devontae Smith. Yeah. When really you can probably say they're really close to being in a similar – we call it warp over on DD, which is basically yep. wins over replacement. But yep. similar production tier in terms of impact in your lineup, that it's it's almost arrogance if someone comes to you and goes, hey, I'm one and six. You're six and one. I'll give you Devontae Smith for DK Metcalf. And you go, nah, man, DK's a stud. I can't do that. That's right. And yeah. it's like I get it. 
You think DK's better? If everything was rose-colored glasses for both, you would take the DK side. But I see too many people haggle on in, in that type of range. This isn't trading an injured Dak Prescott for Jared Goff, right? right. Like it's not that type of deal. This no, is literally exactly. trading within a a flat range already. But I yeah. still see people going, nah, man, like I got to stick to my like scouting evaluation on these players. And I was like, I, yeah. I don't have time to, if, I, if I'm in the midst of a contender, I don't have time for a guy that's going to miss eight weeks. As much as I think that he's going to be better in the long term, I don't have time for that. And I think that speaks to the right part about the week-to-week dynasty. Like you can love a player, but unless it's a cornerstone asset, and I think we overvalue how many cornerstone assets yeah. there are. There are maybe... 10 to 15, 15 yeah, maybe 20 yeah, max. 15. Yeah, exactly. I said 15. Anybody like, out of that yeah. range, yeah. if they're out eight weeks or they have a high ankle sprain and they're going to be out four weeks and then they're going to try to come back, but then you know these high ankle sprains, they can ruin your entire year to where they come back and they actually sabotage you because they suck. That's right. So it's like if, if you're not willing to flip those players, if someone is willing to bail you out by giving you a comparable player, like someone offered me Christian Kirk, for my injured Marquise Brown. Man. I think Marquise Brown is better, but I'm sitting here going like, I'm, I'm an idiot not to take this trade, right? Like that's a player I can put in my lineup and it satisfies the same placeholder of how I've already constructed the team. And I see a lot of that where people just go, I'm, I'm sticking to my evaluation and I'm not going to budge even 10, 20% <laughs> and you're leaving again points on the table. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, especially the DK Devonte Smith, it's like, what are the odds that in 2023, Devontae Smith is better than DK Metcalf? I don't know, 40%? Who knows, right? Some sort of number. It's not that, it's not that it, far off. They're probably pretty close. But then you ask this one. What are the odds that Devontae Smith is more productive than DK Metcalf in 2022, the season you're playing right now that you're 6-1? and one, It's 100%. Like, <laughs> you're literally, you know, I mean, nobody's making that trade and redraft. Like they'd be like, what the fuck? DK's hurt. What are you talking about? I'm not trading. So it's a ridiculous one year. Well, guess what? This is the year that you're six and one. Take the profit, move on, and you still can sell Devante plus a second to get the equivalent of, you know, uh, DK next year. And therefore, would you pay a second to have DK healthy right now? Yes, you would. So what the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah, you said the perfect thing. If you ask yourself the question, if everything is ideal both players are playing both players are healthy yeah a, a, a starting quarterback isn't out if i ask you what's better a or b and the first thing that comes to your mind is if i say what are the odds that a is better than b or b is better than a and if you're somewhere in that like 40 to, to 50 if you're in that like 40 percent range that's a trade you should always do in the now right yeah Right. Even if I'm taking, if you tell me this this coin is going to be flipped ten times, and you're going to give me forty percent of the chances it's going to be one or the other, I'm a I'm alive, I'm alive better there, right? Like yes. I'm basically paying my tax. I'm taking a little bit of long term risk, but it's not like I'm making a ninety ten bet because I'm desperate. Right. That's right. So That's right. if you say it's sixty forty, which one's going to be better long term? But one of them's out for the season, and one of them's currently a top twenty four receiver. Yeah. It, take hey. the forty percent. It's not like training Eno Benjamin for Javante Williams or, like Correct. you said, Jared Goff for Derek, Dak Prescott. Those are different answers. But, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm looking for those trades in a few spots. And, of course, unfortunately, a few more spots this week with the aforementioned players going down. I've got a little bit of Mike Williams on some contenders. That that one hurts because he was really starting to jive with Herbert. And you said it. I am so deathly afraid 
to roster him late in the season because those high ankle sprains uh, tend not to, you know, it's not like they, oh, he's all better. No, it's never fucking happened in the history of the word high ankle sprain. Has it ever been like hurt this week, all better tomorrow? Like that's never happened. It's usually, yeah, he only played 20%. He had to come out, couldn't quite go and all this, you know, all that stuff, you know, and that's the worst part. You know, when a guy's out, you're like, yeah, he's not in the lineup. I'm playing somebody else. But when it's like, questionable coming in limited you know got in a pretty good run on saturday you're like oh no this is gonna suck it's like dalton no schultz what, yeah you would have wished exactly. dalton schultz would have just sat for a month yes but just instead he's trying to play better. two games with this injury and he twice during the game they go yeah he re-aggravated it it's like yes. well you know if that at what point are you gonna stop playing and just sit out because you I mean i get it he's playing for a contract but yeah i'm with you like I would almost rather for me being able to kind of plan for the situation. I would rather them just be like, Hey, Mike Williams is going to be out eight weeks. Okay. He's out of my mind. I either replace him. I swap him out for something else or I bury him there. There is no, like there, there's no temptation to be, Oh, I can't wait to get to week 14 because he'll be back in my lineup. You know, Hollywood Brown, I'm not, not even counting him into the playoffs, even though they say it's six weeks sounds like it's a pretty serious foot injury it could be eight weeks and then he's back on the field and it's like man am I gonna really want to start him everywhere I have him so yeah I'm almost like it's it's easier just to deal with when they're when you know they're gone you know this is the greatest podcast because me and Scott could literally talk like this as he said on the on the intro for 24 hours straight it'd be unbelievable we're gonna get into a little something fun here speaking of guys who are not coming back and you know how long they're gonna be out we're going to talk about the Patriots at the Jets. And hold on. Silence. Moment of silence, please. For Brees Hall. I'm so sorry, folks. Last week, I literally, Scott, I know you didn't listen to the show. It's okay. You're, actually, you might have. You listened to like, you're a volume podcast listener, so you might have listened. I asked if Brees Hall was the RB1 in Dynasty, and he goes out and pops his ACL. I am so sorry I did this to you, Brees. It's my fault, and I apologize. I just want to formally apologize. I did listen. Uh, I do consume probably a good 20 hours of podcasts a day uh, on 3X. So you definitely sound different talking to you now than when I listen to you on, on 3X. Uh, and it's interesting because you're, you're one of the few that already talks pretty fast. And then when you put yourself on 3X, it, it definitely is like I have to slow down if I want to hear something again. But uh, no, I listened. And uh, I had Brees Hall at RB1. Scott, Scott, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This is for Scott Connor. Breeze yeah. Hall. Yeah. No, I can't do it. I just, you're right. I talk fast. I feel like the listeners want it. You know, it's true too, because you listen to 3X because so many of these, first of all, you want to get a lot of information in and get it done. But a lot of these guys are like, it's just so slow. You're like, come on, get to it. At least here, we do talk a lot. It's a long show, but we get to it. We don't fuck around. Anyway, go ahead. Tell me about Breeze. Tell me why I did this to him. No, I mean, it, you weren't the only one. I mean, I think you could have justified Brees Hall as RB1 after, I mean, again, this is how reactionary we are after yeah. Jonathan Taylor's quote unquote ankle sprain. Yep. And then Brees goes out, he's posting top 10 numbers as a rookie. And the last three weeks, his usage has been awesome. He's breaking off big plays. And so forecasting ahead, who's going to be RB1 after this season, if things continue as they were, it's Brees. easily Brees Hall. Yeah. Easily Brees Hall, not even close. Yep. And then this happens. And so I, I think it's, we can talk about kind of our impact on how we handle the Brees Hall situation. <clears throat> I, I, 
I'm probably a little more aggressive than most. I don't have time for injured running backs. Guys coming back from ACL injuries, you're absorbing a lot of risk. Yep. Uh, and I think you have to act fast on these things. If you give it a couple weeks, yeah, it kind of just fades away and everyone knows Brees is out. Everyone that's aggressively tried to buy him has already bought him low. Everyone that's tried to sell him has already unloaded him. Things probably just kind of settle back into like a valley and then you wait. Yep. You wait six months, you wait eight months until he puts out a video that, hey, He's cutting again. He's running again. He's going to be ready for OTAs, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. You, you just wait. Yeah. And so I'm aggressively shipping him off. I do think this differs from the Javante mm-hmm. and uh, Dobbins and Akers injuries because it's not going to quite cost him the same impact as those guys. Those guys got injured at the worst time, right before year two, right during the peak of a running back's dynasty prime is like year two and year three. That's yeah. when they should smash if they're good because there's no – there's no governor. There's no restraints on a running back that's good. They're full board by year two if you're really good. Yeah. But that's also the period where people go, holy shit, this guy's going to be the next Ladanian Tomlinson. I'm going to have him for five years. By the time that guy gets to year four, year five, it's starting to get into, oh, he's up for free agency. He's he's declining, you know? So, like, that's the prime window. You lost that with Javante. You lost yeah. that with Dobbins. You lost that with Akers. Because even if they're back in year three – you still get the, they're easing him in. They brought in competition. They're not ready to give him the full workload. You're going to have to wait another half a year for him to get back to that point. At least with Brees, we may have year three salvage. So I'm not necessarily selling him as low. But if you can get like a 23 first and a throw in running back or a 24 first and another usable running back, I'm out. Because I think there's going to be opportunities to buy back in at, you know, only a fraction of the price higher. (laughs) So yeah, I think it's uh, pretty straightforward. Especially if you're a contender. I mean, if you had Brees and you were rolling and things are going well, yeah, why, why are you just going to sit on them? I've got a team. I, I could have shared this one. It's a, it's a, it's not a rebuilder. It was actually a productive struggle. It's really well done because now I'm like, uh, I think I'm in first place in the league actually, and I have like five first rounders. So it's really worked out well. So year one of the league. I'm not the best team though. You know what I mean? Like I'm in first or second, but I'm not the best team, and I just lost Brees. It's like. I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to like, because I have all those first next year, I kind of want to be like, fine, I'll just let him come back. Let it all like next year's the year. You know what I mean? As opposed to like being short sighted. If I got the right trade for Brees, maybe, but I'm not, I'm not searching it out as much in that league, even though I've got a chance at winning. I don't think I'm the favorite. Even if I like, I don't know if I get Eckler, I'm not sure. I'm like uh, the favorite. I'm not sure about that. So, you know, so you kind of have to, um, have an honest assessment of your team. You know, a lot of people could say, well, you're, you're in like second or third, whatever I am in that, you know, 14 teamer. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not so sure, especially because there's two other really solid teams. I'd have to get really lucky to win. Even if I had Brees or some other running back. Right. I mean, you don't know the team, but right. Yeah. And I actually think that even if you're rebuilding, I think you should at least just from the purpose of what we talked about earlier with Bichon, you should look at the, the liquidity factor of trading off of that risk. Yes. You never planned on doing it. You planned if, Hey, I'm rebuilding. I took Brees at the one one this year. Hopefully he hits his stride and I'm ready to contend next year. Yep. That's still possible. I know there's a lot of people that are like, and you saw it. I I have a couple teams where I've held my Brees shares because I go, I have really no incentive to sell unless it's like a very, very specific deal, which I haven't gotten yet. Right. So you have teams that are currently in, you know, the bottom three of the league and they have Brees and they go, yeah, you know what? I'll just gamble that he comes back next year and we'll see what happens. Yep. But I still think even in those leagues, if you can get 
a 23 first and maybe another piece, whether it's a, a player worth a second or something like that, that you can flip, I think you should at least explore it. Yes. If you don't get it, there's no pressure to have to get the points. But yeah, I think if you anytime a player get a Michael suffer- Carter, Michael Carter plus a first, it's like, eh, not bad. Exactly. Yeah. Anytime there is an injury like this, <clears throat> unless it almost unless it is to a cornerstone quarterback or maybe one of the top couple receivers, knock on wood, we haven't had any of those injuries yet, really. Ooh. But unless it's that, like I just I don't feel you're doing yourself justice by just going, all right, he's hurt, he'll come back next year. Like at least explore it. Even on teams where they're dog shit teams and all you have is Brees. Like I think those teams you do want to do your due diligence to, to look into what type of liquidity you could get for an injured player. And that goes for 98% of players if they suffer a torn ACL. And I know I've heard people say it's not as significant as the Javante or Dobbins injury. He has the torn meniscus, which is common with an ACL. Uh, you never know what that looks like till they get in there and see it. Uh, but there's just no guarantee you're, you're yep. keeping a lot of risk where you don't necessarily have to, if someone's willing to buy that risk at 85% of what it cost two days ago, it's it. You got to explore it. You're not yep. doing yourself justice. If you don't. Yeah, totally. There may be some teams too, that still think he's like worth all of it, especially a rebuilding team. Like, Oh, I'd pay multiple first for Brees. I'm not even competing this year. There could be some crazy ass thinking like that. And if you want to take advantage of it, go for it. Absolutely. Still, you got to always have your, uh, your eyes open. Hey, has there ever been a, a better roller coaster ride than the James Robinson career arc roller coaster? I mean, undrafted, you know, RB one, you know, gets, you know, crashed against the rocks with Travis Etienne back to life with the Etienne injury, his own Achilles injury, comes back from the Achilles injury, outplays Etienne, back on the on the rocks from Etienne, traded. Now he's ripple affecting Michael Carr. I mean, this guy is like unbelievable. I mean, fantasy zombie of epic proportions. I fucking love it, just so you know, because I love James Robinson, but this is just too much. I mean, I guess the the, the probably the question is, you could speak to all that nonsense, but I guess the question is, what's the ripple effect now? I mean, we, we should have predicted all of all of this all along from him, right? Like this whole career arc was so predictable. I mean, I think the ripple effect is, at least for me, is you now have another window to potentially unload James Robinson for what he is. Uh, I think he's a, he's a low warp running back that yep. you're looking at more like a placeholder, but he probably has a little bit of a stronger name than just a placeholder. Yep. But I look at what he could he could potentially give me and it's not much. It's basically, it's the same as I go to my league. And I think this applies. This is where you need to know your league. You need to know your league economy. It applies to those leagues that are pretty active. A lot of my active leagues, you can buy these one week filler running backs for third round picks pretty consistently every week. He's basically that, but you probably are not having to put in as much work to get that same type of production. You can probably slot him in there four or five times the rest of the year instead of having to buy three or four separate running backs for a third. And that's the only difference. Like the production isn't going to be any different than you rolling out Deontay Foreman this week and you rolling out 
right. you know, Gus Edwards for two more weeks. And no, like, Gus there's Edwards not a lot is of way, way, way more valuable to me right now Correct. than, than James Robinson. Like so much more. Well, even it's just the Deontay Foreman's of the world. And if Kareem Hunt gets traded, it's yes. the, it's the Dearness Johnson in week 13. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're right. It. Because you're right. If Kareem Hunt were to go to Baltimore, my Gus Edwards take was just fucking smashed against the rocks too. That's exactly right. Yep. So it's just, when you have these guys in these zones and the market values them as more of a stable asset than really what their production is, especially at running back, kind of just fade it and lean into the fact that, hey, I can play running back in my league week to week as long as there's a robust market enough to where there's purchases that I can make week to week. It doesn't work in every a, league. Hey, I just had a thought. I, it was just it just crossed. I was like, oh, no. You know, Kareem Hunt wouldn't get traded to Baltimore because, you know, Cleveland wouldn't trade him in division. I'm like, who would trade? And I thought – a healthy Damian Harris in Baltimore. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I got excited that, for that. That stuff can change at any point, but I wow. think that it's the, the principle of playing this way when you identify your league is robust enough to do it, and yeah. fading any of these guys that pop up and have legitimate like second round value. Anything below that, you can say, oh, it's they're replaceable. They're week to week. I can kind of just see what happens next week, who pops up, who I can maybe buy for a third next week. But he, you have a window now. People yep, may pay a in second for James Robinson, but he what goes out think, there and, what, and he puts up seven points. Does, no. What do you think this does to the Michael Carter, James Robinson backfield? Like, what do you think happens in Ty Johnson, whatever? You know, I mean, what is this backfield now? Is it still basically just a ugly, you know, 50-50, 60-40 split? Or do you think James Robinson is less than that? Or what do you think here? I mean, we've kind of seen this before. We saw it last year. It, it, it happened from the beginning, uh, not in the middle of the season, but you saw it with Cam Akers. Yeah. Daryl Henderson's Michael Carter, Sony Michelle's James Robinson. Yeah. And yeah. that was ugly during times of the year, but I think people bought into both of those guys because they go, you know what? I'm buying into the Rams, right? Like yeah. I'm willing to have both because there's going to be opportunities when I'm going to be able to start one or the other. If they're both playing, maybe I can start either one and just kind of pray that I'm the one that lands on the right side during that game. I think it's similar. I don't think people see the Jets quite as they saw the Rams last year, but I think the way the Jets want to play may be similar to it. So I think you can probably buy both, but I also think I'd be more on the sell both because I can probably find the same production cheaper. So I kind of see it as they're eating into each other and they're both sells at this point. Are you with me that uh, Travis Etienne is now a RB1 for the rest of the season? Rest of the season, yes. Yeah. And I think even further, he is a top four or five running back in Dynasty. Yeah, so that, was, that puts him... That was the next question. You're, you're a genius. Said Travis Etienne and Ken Walker, you start going through yep. and you're like, how are they not in the top five? If the same things that were pushing Brees Hall to RB1 exist for those guys... Bingo. Hard to say that I can't buy into them for the rest of the year as as RB1s. And then as soon as the clock hits midnight and January's here, you really think people are going to be taking, you know, the Dalvin Cooks over, you know, Travis Etienne? No, probably not no now. Way. But yeah. I think we'll get to a point if McCaffrey and Barkley don't continue to smash. That's right. You'll get to the offseason. It'll be, oh, dude, I'm not giving you I'm not giving you ETN for Barkley. Yeah, you know, Bar- Barkley's right. way too risky. I- I'm give me the young guy. So that's how fast it moves. Like we were talking earlier, you couldn't even get a first in 24 for Kenneth Walker after week three. You know, some people <laughs> right. that loved him might have squinted and said, "Okay, I'll still buy in." 
But everyone well, else was, oh man, he's buried, you know, like I would have never drafted that guy. He can't catch passes. Seattle's not even giving him any work. Boom, takes an injury and three weeks later, and the, you can argue Ken Walker, RB2 or 3 in Dynasty. If you prefer yes. him over McCaffrey or Barkley or the, the older guys, like you can argue him RB2, and I wouldn't be like, you're an idiot, you know? Right. I, I'm with you. Like I was looking at, I had just before, I think, I don't remember when I updated these, probably a week or so ago, I had Ken Walker at uh, RB9. I had Travis Etienne, RB7. And I was looking at it and that was my next question is where does this push Travis Etienne now that he has a little bit of, cause I always believed in the talent, at least to some degree, you know, I mean, he's got obviously juice for sure. The offense is young and ascending. He's, you know, he's still, it's just, it made a lot of sense. And then James Robinson is started to seed carries and now he's gone. So it's like, okay, well this is definitely the Travis Etienne backfield. They clearly trust him and everything's cool. And then Ken Walker, my God, this explosion that he is showing on the field on a team that, I mean, has there ever been a team that we've been more wrong about? Like, we, I mean, no, everybody, no, no right? Like, never. I, happened. I even went to the extreme and said that before the year, this was a 31 team NFL, and I omitted the Seattle Seahawks because right. I go, they frustrated me last year with Russell Wilson and with Rashad Penny smashing at the end and DK and Lockett and Gerald Everett, they, they frustrated the hell out of me last year. And I go, every one of those spots got worse. And the offense was lowest in time of possession. They ran the fewest amount of plays. I'm going, how is this just not a fucking wasteland? And it's not only been that, but it's been like, if you look at like NFL efficiency, it's been like a top 10 offense in the league. And I'm just like, it came out of nowhere. So throw my hands up. We Here's were wrong. Here's the other thing too. We saw Geno Smith essentially in this offense last year. It's not like how, oh, we, we just didn't see it coming. Like, no, we should have seen it coming, but not seen it coming because we saw it last year mm-hmm. and it wasn't fucking this. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like Geno Smith did like the Josh Allen. He just became so much better. He is so good. He is so accurate. He is it's unbelievable. I mean, he's spinning it downfield. Like this dude, he has the highest completion over expectation in the league. Like I think he has the highest completion percentage in the league, but like he is unbelievable. This team is so good. And Ken Walker, uh, we look, I like the talent. I hated the situation. Now I love the talent. And how dare I say, I love the situation. This is fucking weird. They're going to make the playoffs. They, they got a good shot. <laughs> And you know what the funny thing is? The funny thing is I could also envision where we go into next year banking on it being a top 12 situation and then somehow it's <laughs> bottom four. at the bottom of the league yes, and you're like – so crazy. And I was looking at some numbers the other day and uh, it's fascinating the narrative around the Lions the first couple weeks of the year. Yes, yes. And right now the Lions are the stone cold worst team in the league. <laughs> I mean, you look yeah. at, Jer- I mean, Jared Goff's efficiency since week four has been like 20% worse than like Davis Mills and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And oh boy. Yeah. People, no, I mean like negative, it was negative 0.4 EPA oh, per God. play for Goff since week four. And if you think about that, how bad that is, it, the lowest, I mean, last year, like Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, those guys were you know, 50% better than what golf has been the last couple games. And so like we thought the lions were going to be this, this fruitful fantasy situation and golf was going to be, you know, a low end QB one because man, they're letting him throw 45 times a game, worst right. defense ever. 
now you're looking at it like, I don't know if golf survives this season. You know what right. I mean? Like it's that yeah. fast. It's and fast. that's where we thought the Seahawks would be. So like next year we may be buying into it being what we're seeing now. And then it's like, oh, wow, it's the complete opposite again. So shit just moves fast, man. Dude, it does. It does move fast. Like, uh, you know, Brady and Rogers, like, I, I, I don't know if you like saw it, like the last couple of weeks, it was like uh, Heineke and like uh, Bailey Zappi and Marcus Mariota, Kenny Pickett. Um, oh, fuck, who else? Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Matt Ryan, Geno Smith. Like those were the winning quarterbacks two weeks ago. Last week, it was the same type of thing. It was like, you know, Tannehill and Daniel Jones, PJ Walker, uh, Heineke beat um, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, It's just crazy. Like, what is going on? Zach Wilson wins again, of course. Um, You know, you just go up and down. Geno, of course, wins every week. Like, you you look at these games and you're like, what is going on? We used to think, and it's getting flipped around, like, just bet against the bad quarterbacks, you know? You see Heineke out there, it's like, whatever, they're going to lose. And now it's like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't even, it, it's so shocking to see this type of stuff happening. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's just back to what we've talked about pretty much all show, that things are moving fast and we have to, it, it's always tough to say, oh, that was a one-week thing or that was right. a two-week fluke. But we're starting to see things where, you know, when is that flexion point the first part of the season to where you start saying, all right, this is probably how things are going to be. And then vice versa back to normal. Yeah. When's that happen? Like, Oh, I feel like it happens every year, right? Like we have that like fluky early and then you're like, Oh no, it's Aaron Rodgers. Of course this team's good. Like, but no, like, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers, we're going to get Aaron Rodgers could be, uh, Oh, for four in his last four games. Cause they're going to go to Buffalo and probably lose. And Minnesota good chance of winning at home. I mean, they've been playing good. This could be like, this division could be fucking over. Um, which is crazy, but back to the uh, the the top of the running back uh, group. I think you know Eckler is just so good right now. It's hard to not have him ahead of those guys. McCaffrey, Barkley, as you point out, what is your? I mean, is JT still your running back one overall? I mean, I feel like he is for me just by default. I mean, he's not exactly getting it done, but he is the best you know, running back in the league uh, on a team that's kind of scuffling. Is that? Is that kind of how you see it or, or, or do you have it a, a little bit different? I mean, I think by default, if, if everything was equal and you kind of hit the reset button and said, pick them, you know, one yeah. through 10, he would be at one. Yeah. But it just feels like, and I, and it's because we lost Javante and it's because we lost Brees. Yep. It, it has never felt like an RB one in dynasty has ever been weaker. Right. And it also feels like this Brees injury is a, a turning point of how, Maybe not you or I or a lot of other people that have kind of taken this sentiment of beware of running backs, beware of what a running back has done the past month, and then going and paying for that production now because you think it's going to continue. Right. But I think this is this is kind of the wake-up call to a lot more people. I've seen a lot of people since the Brees injury going like, if they can take him away, nobody's safe. Yep. You know, rarely, I mean, you might have one time during the year where you can afford to just be like, hey, I'm on vacation. Let me go spend as much money to have a good time and you can go buy that running back. But if you're wrong, yeah, it's crippling. And I think a lot of people, the way that they're playing now, mm-hmm. having a process, having a strategy, 
looking at the assets they've accumulated. It, it just feels like this is a, a flexion point for people to go, man, I can't trust any running back. That's right. Which makes yeah. it just fascinating to me because we're going to come with a awesome 2023 running back class that my buddy Shane Hallam is a great NFL mock drafter. He just put out his most recent full mock for next year, seven yeah. rounds. He's got 10 running backs going in the top 55 picks. Hmm. And I'm like, if that happens for Dynasty, that's – and actually, I think it was the top 69 picks or 70 picks. But nice. still, we're, we're considering 10 running backs going before like the yeah, early part of round right. three. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a home run for Dynasty for rookie picks. You're like, man, I can get a round two running back in the second round of my rookie draft. Like yeah. that's a home run. And I'm looking at that going, this is going to come in to a dynasty landscape where everyone fears running backs. Yes. And there's, everyone's going to have to make decisions now, whether you're the running back fader or the running back chaser or not sure what you're doing, but it's like this, this perfect collision course of the running back market. And it's just going to be fascinating to me to see how people handle it. Well, we're starting to see a little bit more specialization, a lot less bell cow. And, you know, uh, it makes sense. I mean, volume of plays is going up. I mean, it's just, there's more plays run. You really need to, I mean, even Brees Hall was sharing time with Michael Carter, yet he was still getting home for us. You know, Jonathan Taylor was sharing time with Naheem Hines, another specialist, but got home for us. DeAndre Swift, the RB2 in Dynasty, whatever, you know, pacing for, you know, a top five season until he gets hurt every year. Uh, basically is a secondary back in his offense because he's the pass down back and gets a few carries. It's like crazy, you know? So, you know, the, the, the Barkley McCaffrey uh, Eckler is another one shares time. He's been begging to share time. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be uh, a little bit more specialization. You're going to have to be a little bit more careful with the running backs, but that's changing because that wasn't the way it was, you know, five years ago we saw, you know, Zeke and, Dalvin and Mixon and Boot, you know, even these guys, right? It was just girly. Everybody was like, that's the guy. And then there's little spellbacks that basically come in and give you 10, 15% snap share. You know, it was a lot more of that. And that's starting to fade a bit. Um, there's just less and less of that. So it, it, I think that's a little bit of a trend that we have to watch out for and, you know, and change your dynasty strategy because of it. The great Peter Howard said this. I don't know, four years ago, whatever. If you're a bad team and you have a top 10 running back, then you shouldn't have that. You should be trading all of your top 10 running backs if you're on a team that's not going to make the playoffs in fantasy. And he's right because that just, it's such a volatile list. Whereas when we go to wide receivers, I'll be willing to bet, you know, T Higgins is going to be a top 10 wide receiver in dynasty next year. And you know what I mean? Like I just picked one at random. I think they're a little bit more stable assets in terms of year-to-year consistency, injury, and longevity. And so I've I, I've been saying this for years: build around those stud wide receivers, and then add your running backs last to win. But you're right; I tried to do that. One of the worst strategies I've employed, and I I never had done it till last year, and it cratered two teams, was trading those future first to go all in on on a running back. I actually bought. Uh, Derek Henry and uh, Christian McCaffrey last year when they were killing it. And it was from a team that, you know, two teams that weren't very good and I was good. I'll give you my picks. Now my team suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause I didn't win it that year because that was, they got hurt. And so, and now I don't have any future assets and they're not worth what they used to be worth. So it's all in shambles, you know? So ultimately 
I don't like that strategy. I've tried it. I've heard other people mention it. I had never tried it. It it sucked for me. And by the by the numbers and by the the trends we're seeing, I think it is a bad strategy. Well, I mean, I'll just I'll wrap it up with this point. I think that if you're going to buy a player like that, you buy with the expectation that it's going to expire and I'm going to have to throw it away at some point. There is no, let me buy, let me get some points. Let me then try to flip for 90% next year. Cause I think that's gone. But I do think one thing we're not accounting for is that 2017 class, even the 2016 class and the 2018 class. If you combine those three classes, do you really think unless Ezekiel Elliott can't walk, he's going to be out of the NFL anytime soon. Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Dalvin, these guys are going to impact these incoming rookies too. As long as those guys are alive and still able to walk, yeah, they're not going to go quietly. So we're going to, I think, have a very interesting group of 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32-year-old running backs. We're going to have 15 Mark Ingrams and Melvin Gordons running <laughs> right. around that are better than those guys ever were. Yep. Then as long as they don't decide to retire because they've gotten the their the shit beat out of their bodies. Right. Nick Chubb. Like, right. A guy like Derrick Henry or Joe Mixon, they're they're gonna play another five years if they can. If and they it, can. Yeah. As long as they are playing, they're gonna be the thirty to forty percent to your Blake Corum or whatever it is. And so <laughs> right. yes. it, it's gonna be interesting to see how long their name value holds its name value. Yes. Or how long they take to get to the Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram reigns where they're just throw-ins. Yeah. But even then, you know they're good enough that, hey, if this is uh, 2025 and we're looking at a Travion Henderson and Joe Mixon backfield, <laughs> right. as long yeah. as Joe Mixon is still right. decent, yes. he's a Travion Henderson injury away from like a, a month-long stretch of a top 12 <laughs> running back. Yeah. And we don't we can't wrap our heads around that. We assume that if we have – if we have Derrick Henry, that by 2025, he's going to be in a retirement home. We but assume. the reality is, as long as he's still able to play, yeah, like we're going to probably see a class of running backs that we're going to look up and we're going to go, holy shit, that guy's still getting carries at 31, yeah. 32. <laughs> yeah. And they're good players. You know, they're good yeah. players. Like, I don't want to say we're going to have a bunch of Emmett Smiths, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see four, five, six Emmett Smiths in this class where they're still playing in their early 30s and they're still getting touches. And you're... You're frustrated as all get out that the 2025, you know, Washington football, Washington commanders are giving Joe Mixon the ball <laughs> over whatever rookie they have, you know, yes. like, I, and we're going to have these guys on rosters. So yes. I tend to kind of lean into, you know what, if I can buy Derrick Henry for like two seconds, there's a really good shot that I'm going to get the ass end of his career spot start right. value in those two seconds, let alone what he could do for the rest of this year and maybe next year as well. Yeah. So no, that's going to be fascinating to see because there's a lot of big names that are Hall of Fame level talents almost that are still playing and they're not going to go quietly. Because they're to, to, you're right too, because to set up all these bell cows that were happening in the last like five to eight years, there was such a dearth of running back uh, uh, talent coming out of college. Like, the Bishop Sankey class and whatever. I'd have to go back and look at each class, but it was like three or four out of the, uh, out of five or six years, there was like no good running back. They were all awful. You know, it was like, it was really, really ugly. And so then, you know, the girly and the Zeke and the, the, a couple of class, all of a sudden it was like, yeah, dude, you're getting the ball, dude. We got nobody, you know, and they were really good. And and then this, and then like, as you point out the 18, you know, think about that 18 class. So, so good. Mixon, uh, cook, 
McCaffrey, Fournette, Aaron Jones, Eckler. Like, that's such a great class. It's like so good. Kamara, Kareem Hunt, they're bingo. still around. So good. Like that, that and you know what? So good. How many times over the last three or four years have the teams that had those guys had the opportunity to draft the next Ken Walker or Brees right. Hall? And they didn't. Right. They didn't. That should tell you something. That should yep. tell you the fact that. They had multiple opportunities to push these guys aside. And sure, a lot of them have played with decent running backs next to them, you know, guys that can spell them. But we've seen, you know, you just named them. And then back to 16, you had Zeke, you had Derrick Henry. 18, you had Chubb, you had Barkley. That, that like golden age, we're never going to see that again. We are no, never going to see no. three classes come together where we literally could look up and go, you know, there are eight of the best 50 running backs in history are from this period and it's even more so because they're in the they're in the era where everyone was replacing running backs every couple of years yet somehow they stayed through second contracts and rarely did they ever seed work until they were you know 29 30 years old and, that, and that's yeah. what makes it special we're not going to see that anymore you know i don't want to say like it's not going to happen with ken walker and damian pierce but you better bet that it's it's it. You're betting against probably the, the highest probability if you yeah. are betting that Ken Walker is going to be a second contract running back in Seattle, and they never bring in a guy just as good as him. Right, and, it, and it's it, just the, different. The other class that could have been too was the JT Swift. It, it already is really good, but yep. JT Swift, uh, Acres, Dobbins, um, Gibson. A.J. Dillon, but who should have been in that class was Chuba Hubbard, Etienne, and Harris. Najee Harris should have been in that class. Yep. I, we, If you remember back, we thought all three of those guys were in that draft class. There was no doubt. And if they had been, talk about that might have been the only thing that could have held a candle to that uh, Dalvin CMC class because both those classes were outstanding. And for whatever reason, you know, Etienne went back to try and win a, a title and Najee wanted to have the one, you know, big year. And Chuba, ooh pour one out made a mistake should have come out really i mean should have come out yep, um yep. but uh moving along let's do um let's do our thing let's do our thing we did a thing we didn't do our it thing. yet we're gonna do it right our now thing. Let's do it. we're gonna do it now without much prep which makes it which makes it really really fun it, no prep actually no prep so what we wanted to do because scott you know i i was thinking about doing this thing called like whatever you can call it whatever you want dissect a team just do a team, but Scott like kind of does this. Um, you know, uh, you can kind of tell how we think. We're always thinking about strategy of team building. So I was like, how do we have a show where we sort of talk about? It? So I wanted to share a team with him. That's my team, and he would share a team of his with me. And you know, he's never seen the team. He's not in the league. But like, here's the team. Here's the situation. Here's where it's at. What the F would you do, Scott Connor? This is a, one of my teams. Now, it's it's an all right team. It's not bad. I'll set it up, and then we'll talk about it, okay? So this is a team. It's a 14-team league. It's a super flex league. Start nine, so start a quarterback. Start two running back, two receiver, a tight end, two flex, and a super flex. So fairly short uh, starting roster. Start nine, 14-team league. It's a fairly substantial tight end premium, um, slight running back devaluation um, f- for a couple of reasons that Scott will get into. And my team is four and three. Um, and I am, let me see, 
I am in sixth place right on the edge. This is where it is. It's like, do you go for it? Do you give up? Do I start to push in? Do I just sort of hang tight? Like this is the kind of teams I think a lot of us have that we wonder what the hell we should be doing. I am like somewhere in the middle of the pack and points scored. Now, the other thing that's interesting, it's a huge tight end premium league. And this is, I mean, going into it, I had Kyle Pitts. So if I read you my tight end room, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, um, Logan Thomas, Bellinger, Troutman, OJ Howard, Cole Turner, whatever. Um, but really, you know, even though I had Pitts and Hawkinson, I thought I was doing really well at the quarterback position. I have Lamar, Dak, such a good setup. I have Kirk Cousins as a backup, Deshaun Watson in the holster. This should be a team that's dominating at running back. I thought I was set. Christian McCaffrey, Javante Williams. Here we go. And Cam Akers, who can lose? Well, now it's not so good. So, Mr. Scott, tell the people a little bit about what you saw when you saw this team and what you would do with this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, you set it up nicely. You kind of gave you. a summary of where uh, where you stood, but then also what your roster looks like. So I won't even I won't even get into that. I'll just go into forget about what players you have or forget sure. about where your team is. The first thing I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at the settings. It's a 14 team start nine. If I'm counting this right, 17 bench spots, I believe. So yeah. you're looking at. Basically, it's a 14 by 26, which if you adjust that, I always like to adjust it to a 12 team so we can kind of get a, a baseline of where, yes. you know, where it would stand. So you're looking at pretty much a standard, like a 12 team, 30 man roster league and, you know, 14 team start nine would be like a 12 team start 10 equivalent, something right. like that. That's right. So, so pretty standard. I think you can look at everything and say like the setup of the league, the starter to total roster spot ratio is pretty much in line with what you would see like in a cookie cutter 12 team super flex league. Uh, it is six point passing touchdowns. It's two PPR for tight ends. Uh, you only have to start two receivers and you can max start four receivers. That's one of the right. first things I look at right there because I'm yep. a big believer in something I call a wide receiver threshold and basically figuring out where do I want all of my receivers to fall in from like a value slash production range? And I want to have enough of those where I'm starting the max number every single week. It's slightly lessened here because of the two PPR. Like you're yes. going to be tempted to play Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson every single week. Yep. So I think you probably can get away with maybe one or two less receivers because you have such a strong second tight end. So until you traded away one of those tight ends, you could probably get away with one or two less receivers. So then I'm looking at your receivers and I'm sitting here going, all right, yep. Sutton, there Amari Cooper, Gabe Davis. Then I go down and I go, Ob eh. obviously Gabe Davis guys. Obviously. Yep. <laughs> obviously, obviously Gabe Davis, obviously, obviously Gabe, Gabe Davis. Yeah. But then I go down and I'm like, all right, the bench has Michael Gallup. Maybe you could squint and say he's quote unquote, one of these threshold receivers. Maybe no. not, but that's it. That's it. So after that, um, what I th what I see is okay. You have a bunch of filler receivers on your bench, yep. uh, which are uh, to me are wasted roster spots. Guys like Richie James, Denzel Mims, Equinemius St. Brown, Yuck. Marquise Goodwin is like a squint, and maybe I I would never pick him up just because based on principle I, I don't ever fish in those waters for wide receivers. But I think that's the clear like roster construction part that I don't think you have in line. Right. But you also have the two elite tight ends. You have a wealth supposedly. of riches. Supposedly. <laughs> you have a wealth of riches at quarterback, which you already mentioned. 
Uh, you have your first round pick and then you have, you know, obviously you have like Javante on your injured reserve and you're holding yep. him. You already mentioned acres. So here's what I would do with this team. I, yeah. I'm already looking at my roster construction going, okay, I, I have the anchor running back with McCaffrey. Yep. Whatever you want to say, anchor, or not anchor. He's an anchor for the rest of this year. Has to be. What he, yep. what he is after that, who knows, but I don't care. I have that in place. I have the, I don't want to say elite, elite quarterbacks, but you have Lamar Jackson. You have a platoon of Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins that you can roll. You're never going to be without a starter, of course, until one of them gets hurt. Until one of them gets hurt like Dak. And then you have Watson. If you just make the playoffs, that is a big bonus to have as just an option going forward. Okay. So you have McCaffrey, you have the tight ends locked down. I mean, you're Barring that you went out and traded like Kyle Pitts for Mark Andrews and just went for the stack with Lamar and Andrews, I I don't even see the purpose of really trying to move anything at tight end. Like you're kind of just stuck with Pitts and Hawkinson as they are. You could move off Hawkinson if you wanted, if you wanted to get another receiver or something like that, but you don't have to. So I think this team is, is, has a great shot to make the playoffs. It's close, right? It's one of those things where this was the Pitts dilemma for me because many of us, Scott, if we're playing in redraft or whatever, like you're literally, if if you're just in a standard redraft league, like literally sometimes you're like, hmm, should I play Hayden Hurst or Pitts? Do you know what I mean? And the whole promise of, of Kyle Pitts was, dude, Travis Kelsey. Imagine having Travis Kelsey, but for 10 years, that was what people would say, right? Well, guess what? Not fucking the case, dude. I don't have anything close to Travis Kelsey in Kyle Pitts in my weekly scoring. But yet his value still holds. So the question would be, should I just be trying to trade Kyle Pitts? And of course, I know that in this league, at least, when I've tried to entertain that, there's a lot of lowball offers. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Here's fucking nothing plus nothing equals Kyle Pitts. Like, get the fuck out of here. But as a contender... I almost want to be like, well, let's go because I've got a shot with the quarterbacks, like you say, the anchor running back. So this sort of brings me to a a quick Kyle Pitts conversation. What the fuck do you do with Kyle Pitts in a dynasty league and a tight end premium league? Uh, Nothing. I think in most cases there – in most cases, there are very few pivots. Like when we do our roster reviews on trades in five, the two things I think of is this. If you have Lamar Jackson, I think you're doing yourself a disservice by not going and trading for Andrews. If you can get Andrews, I don't think you're losing a lot over the next four or five years. Now, we say this the week before Andrews is going to play on Thursday night football, and he's on the injury report, and then he has a bye coming up soon. So like, if you told me I this wasn't the time to make that move, I'll wait until week 11 and then see where things stand, fine. I'd be okay with that. But there's just very few pivots that you can move off of pits unless you're getting a package of a bunch of other shit. If you're trying to pivot from like pits to a tight end, it's like, can I get Dallas Goddard and swap a first and a second or something like that? But there's just very few pivots available at the position. So I kind of just look at this team and say, you're already in the middle. You're kind of straddling the playoffs. I'm just keeping it as it is. Yeah. My moves are this. You may not like it, but that's why we're doing this. Yes, uh, Javante Williams, yes, Javante is. Williams is gone. Yep. I will take any first for Javante Williams. I'll liquidate it because your roster construction is such that you have your first next year. Yep. You have the quarterback assets. If you can pick up another 23 first, I don't care if it's going to be the 108, 109, 110, 111, 112, whatever. I want that liquid piece. 
and you need to get the roster construction in line to where you have more receivers that are able to fire on a weekly basis. If you do that and have these quarterbacks, and keep in mind, you get to the offseason, you already know in a 14-teamer, you're going to have four of the top 15 quarterbacks in Dynasty. In a a league where I think we're going to get to 2023 and you're going to see a lot of these shitty quarterbacks starting to get ushered out. Yep. And a lot of new ones coming in. I mean, I talked to many people and I think uh, this is going to be one of those years where 2023 might not be the greatest rookie quarterback class, but I don't think that's going to stop the NFL from drafting five of them in the first round because it feels like that time, right? With Brady and Rodgers and Matt Ryan and some of these guys fading out. Like we need, we need guys to fill in and this is going to be the year. I think there's enough intriguing quarterback prospects that have the traits you know, the Will Levises, the Hendon Hookers, the Anthony Richardsons, if he comes out, Michael Penix's, Jaron Halls. Like, there's enough intrigue to where we may see some of these teams that are straddling on the fence of going for a bridge quarterback. We may, we may see two or three Kenny Pickett's in this next class where right. – now, we shouldn't overvalue him for Dynasty because if a guy is picked in the late first round and he goes to a place that has a Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that, like, he ain't guaranteed to start for the first year either, right. you know, like – so we're going to overvalue him because we think, oh, dude, he's going to be the next stud mm-hmm. starter. But I think we're going to be in a year where this draft class is going to deliver quarterback values. But before we get to that point, you're sitting on Cousins, Dak, Lamar, Deshaun Watson in a 14-team league. Like you're, There's going to be flexibility for you in the offseason, even if everything goes to shit the rest of the year with this team. So I'm getting rid of Javante. I'm banking a first going out there to the market, seeing what maybe I can get at wide receiver. Can I get a difference maker at wide receiver for the rest of the year? If I make the playoffs, I make the playoffs. But if yeah. not, I still think you have the assets here to make a kind of like a half-assed run I think so without too. fully committing. Like you're not yeah. trading your first. If you miss the playoffs no. and you end yeah. up the 105, 106, yep. cool. But yep. I think you got to reappropriate some of your assets and shift your roster construction to a lot of those uh, – filler receivers like you should be grinding the waiver wire and looking at what running backs are available out there like i'm gonna take a look yeah let's look and just uh there's not much <laughs> there's not well, much I, uh like ronald jones is a free agent why isn't he on your roster over equinemius st brown yeah uh let's see who else is out there uh a few other guys that i think could get a shot somebody like Deshaun corbin's probably an injury away from being active on you know the the Giants now doesn't mean he's going to do anything, but yeah. he's somebody that I would add over some of the guys you have out there. Yep. So just just small things like that. I mean, think no, about true. the and, and you know, Equinemius was a early. You're, you're right because here's the here's the here's what happens. Why Equinemius is on the roster? First of all, he had he finally had a big game, but like he was a guy that I was like, hey, he's gonna maybe play. This was you needed a season, body right before the season. Now he's gonna maybe play, and he he's Amon Ra's brother. Like he was a highly touted high school player. He was a highly touted college player. And then he sort of flamed out at the NFL level. Who knows? Maybe there's a little, enough infrastructure, familial infrastructure around this kid. He's going to be on the field. Maybe he's good. Maybe all of a sudden he's good in Chicago. Well, all of a sudden Chicago was a train wreck early, but he's on the field. And I'm like, well, maybe still. And so now I'm just sort of hanging out waiting to see because he's getting 90% snaps. And you're right. You sort of get stuck with these guys watching them. I've got a, a, a few teams with Equinemia stashed. And you're right, though. Even if he hits, what's he actually hitting? You know, what am I actually going to get? Am I ever going to play him? Probably not. Yep. 
I mean, it's just small okay. things like that. Like uh, a couple others, like Ronnie Rivers on the Rams got a little yeah. playing time last week. Malik Davis, he's the number three on Dallas. If they had an injury, they're going to give him at least a game to take a couple touches. If he sucks, they'll go get somebody else. But yeah. just small things like that. You add those four or five running backs on your team. Yeah. You cut the likes of you know Denzel Mims and probably have to, to cut. Oh, Denzel Mims. No, I I get no, it, but I'm I think joking. you're right. No, though. no, I. Yeah. Yeah, but you're listen. You're, right. you're not wrong. There, yeah. I see a ton of rosters where I go. You're still holding on to Jalen Rager and Lavisca Chenault and it's Brian terrible. Edwards, and yep, yep. it. Y- you have to understand that there's now a sunk cost corollary. It, it's that, but it's also you have to think about. Tell yourself a scenario where Denzel Mims could be flipped. Yeah, can't and. Then you sit there and go, well, what would he have to do? He'd probably have to have like a, you know, a, a double figure point game or a big highlight play. But then it would be like, I need to find another so, idiot in the league that'll cares. be willing yeah. to give me a third yeah. for him. Right. No, it's <laughs> true. It's true because you'd have to have someone who gives a shit about that in the whole first place. And there's probably right. someone would be like, yeah, okay, all right, I'll buy it. Fucking no, it's not. Happening. And that's got to be the right team that might have liked Mims that he has to be in the right spot to even buy. He might be like, man, I loved Mims, but you know, my team's dog shit. Why would I give you a pick for him? You know what I mean? So it's just those small things from a roster construction standpoint. I'm not going out and buying extra assets at running back. Like you have Jalen Warren, Cam Akers, Damian Harris. You pick up a couple bodies on waivers there. You're going to go as McCaffrey goes and which spray and pray RB two I can throw in there. And Yep. That's that. If you don't get there with that, the only time I maybe start buying running backs is, okay, I'm starting to kind of move upwards. Maybe I'm in the third, fourth spot. Someone's selling me this week's Chuba Hubbard for a third, right? I'll buy that guy. I'll, I'll, I have room to make two or three purchases where I give you a third, I give you a second, I give you a fourth. If they don't work out, what'd you really lose? Nothing. But that's it. That's the extent yeah. of I'm going for it. And you're giving yourself like the thinnest margin to make the playoffs and compete. But if you don't, you just put your hands up and you go, I kept my first. I've got the 105, 106. I'm good. I'll roll yeah. into next year. I have a lot of assets. Boom. Let's start over. So that's my yeah. take. No, I love it. It's, it's right. It's, it, you know, and, and I think you, you, so in a 14 team league, you mentioned, I have Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kirk cousins, Deshaun Watson. And then, you know, Bailey Zappi, Sam Ellinger and Skylar Thompson, like, I don't know. Would you? Those be are flips to, to get. Those are flips to get a running back, man. Yeah, exactly. Right now, exactly. That's the. That's probably the move is uh, an Ellinger for a running back. Um, you know, because Ellinger is a starter for somebody somewhere. You know, I mean, I mean, we just saw league. in uh, the game theory dynasty league that yes. real sharp dude Pat Corrine gave up a second for Sam yes. Ellinger, and yes, I, he did. I lo- I looked at his team before the year, and I go, "There's no way he's going to contend." And then I look at it now, he's like 400 less points for than some of the other teams. But you know what? Dude's in second place and he needs a quarterback. And I I admire the, when I saw that trade, I'm like, damn, that's an anti like Pat Corain process trade. You know what I mean? And, but I looked at it and I go, listen, if this guy gives him two starts and he at least keeps up with the Joneses for two weeks, that could buy him like a first round buy. And then it's, luck of the fucking draw, whether he wins the semifinals or the finals. And yeah, exactly. Yes. You Same. have the, you yeah. have the assets to go, you know what? Does anyone want Bailey Zappi? Give me 
this week's Eno Benjamin. And right. people will go, oh man, I'd rather have the quarterback. But you're sitting there going like, if Bailey Zappi's ever in my lineup on this team, it's a disaster. You it's know? a disaster. I'm so fucked. D- yeah, that's take right. the roster construction move. And I think, yeah, you have two quarterbacks right there. I think you could flip for the Jamal Williams, the Eno Benjamins, the Daryl Hendersons and, and see what happens. So yeah. I, I like that. That's a great idea. That's Thanks. why you pick up those backup quarterbacks, right? Yes. Ex- well, that's right there. It. Exactly right. It's not like I'm thinking, you know, Sam Ellinger might just play for me. No, if he plays, it's ab- absolute disaster. That means something's gone terribly wrong. But right. Um, but yeah, if I can flip them, that's it. So that's it. Um, Do you think right. this is a league that where the market would allow you to flip one of those guys for even a plug and play, you know, James Robinson type or someone like that or Brian Robinson or someone like that? Probably. I think, I, I, you know what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go look at who's contending and who has a, a extra running backs, but a problems with quarterback. There's w- With me having that many starters, because I mean, I have a lot of them, there's got to be a team that needs one. So we're going to go oh, find for them. sure. With buys and injuries, them. like you have yeah. six starters this week. I mean, yes. yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. We're going to find one. Great call. All right. Let's do your team. You set your team up because, you know, I, I did mine. You do yours. All right. So the team I gave to Jax is it's a second year of a league. I I did a kind of one of those half-ass productive struggles where, I mean, whenever I do a startup and I know you're the same way, I'm always trying to like trade up to get my quarterbacks, but then trade back and extract value, but kind of quasi content, like basically get my team to where yours is right now in your league. Yeah. In the first year to where I go, man, I'm, I'm a live dog, but I'm still able to maybe compete if things break my way. But if it doesn't, I can just throw my hands up and go, you know what? I'm the guy that has the extra picks. I have some insulation. I'm really built for a year down the road. But if I make the playoffs, it's just gravy, right? So that's what I did last year. Uh, and I assumed by this year that I would have a shot to be in the spot you are. Uh, yep. It hasn't worked out that way. Uh, the season started off where I had lost a couple players. I made some trades to liquidate for picks. Uh, and then I lost Dak, and it's a 2QB league. So this is a 12-team. Uh, there are 11 starters, so it's definitely – no, 12 starters. 12-team, uh, start 12, deep rosters, 34-man uh, rosters. Uh, but it is start two QBs, and it is start two tight ends. Bingo two wide receivers, two running backs, and four flexes. So a little different. The scoring is 2.25 PPR for tight ends and a slight point per carry. So 0.15 point per carry. 2.25 for tight ends accidentally. Yeah, actually, it was supposed to be 1.25, but, uh, you know, some idiot commish, a.k.a. me, uh, accidentally clicked (laughs) – the wrong button on sleeper. You have to set up the receptions and then the premium separate. Yes. And I go, Oh yeah, just throw it, throw in the premium in there. It doesn't matter. But I forgot to remove the one point PPR for tight ends by default. So boom, we're at 2.25. So it, it's one of those where if you look at my roster construction, it is, and Jack said this earlier, it is absolutely gutted at running back. Yes. Which is the sign of the teardown, right? Like I don't have a living, breathing running back. I've traded every one of them away. And I think I have, uh, let's see, which one do I have that could maybe actually play in a game this weekend? Dearness Johnson. That's it. And yeah, then playing say, in a game, I'm lo- using that loosely. <laughs> dude, when I, when I was saying like, who's your RB one, I look at, it, I go, Tristan Ebner. 
Maybe. <laughs> maybe Matt Breida. Matt Breida will get one touch. Yeah. And Tristan Ebner might get one touch. Does Darryl Williams that. still play? I don't even know. Is he playing? Like, what's he doing? Let me see. Yeah, he's injured. But I oh, think yeah, he's, he's injured, probably yeah, yeah. behind Benjamin and Keontae yeah, yeah. Ingram yeah, at this like, point. Is he so. playing at all? I don't even know. No, yeah. no. So yeah. it is it is absolutely gutted. I have leaned into the uh, roster any tight end that's breathing just to maybe hope to hit on a – someone that I could keep for next year as maybe a flex. Cause what I've noticed in this league is when I run my scoring matrix, which is trying to figure out like, what are the dominant positions from like a positional value? You want to start as many tight ends as you can here. And ideally, if you had, you know, four or five of the top 20 tight ends, given that it's a start two, like these tight ends are extremely value. Cause it's not just 2.25 premium. It's start two. Right, exactly. So, like, the premium on them is huge to the this point is a, where huge, huge. Yes. If I'm trading I, I, away, here, I have. Here's what dosing. I would say: we both picked a league where the tight end, because the, the other one, the league I played, the the, the the league we talked about was uh, it's two PPR for tight end, one PPR for receiver, and actually half PPR right. for running backs. So, so relative, it's high. Yeah, it's still the same type, almost the same type of premium that you're talking about in this league. So, yep. right, so start one tight end but in this league start two plus that huge premium i still would argue that some players don't value the tight end enough when it's a super premium like that because what did i say when you showed me this league i said i bet you travis kelsey is in first place and i didn't look i just i didn't look i just i bet you and he's that team is 13 and one obviously it's a um, you know, victory point thing too. 13 to one. So basically undefeated team with Travis Kelsey. What did I know? It's like, that's how important it is. So like what's Travis Kelsey worth in that league? I don't know. I mean, if your team is good, he's worth anything. He's going to, you're going to win. You're going to win if you have tight end performances like that, especially if you could somehow have two. So the, the, a productive tight end is worth a lot, a lot more than maybe even you think probably worth more than Christian McCaffrey. You know what I mean? It absolutely. And that I'll just tell you, that's been the market on the tight ends thus far to the point where someone comes to me and goes, I'm interested in Greg Dulcich. No and way. It's, and no it's way. It, the price is the top five pick next year. You know what absolutely. I mean? Like, absolutely. And so <laughs> you have to wrap your head around the fact that, you know, Michael Mayer, I don't even think Michael <laughs> Mayer is that great, but he's going to go in the top five. Yes. Yes. And people are going, no way, I'd never take him that high. It's like, dude, if I he just either, becomes, you have to, yes. If he becomes like Pat Fryermuth, oh, he's one huge. of the top ten scorers in the fucking league. So, <laughs> yes. it, yeah. it's wrapping your head around that and then formulating a strategy. But also, you can see some teams in the league that their roster construction they only have like three tight ends on the whole team. You know, like right. they clearly don't understand this. So, how do I position myself to take advantage of them? That's been my goal. Build up draft capital. I've got. 423 first. I have 423 seconds, which yes. I love in this format because that's where you can take shots on running backs and tight ends ad nauseum. You know, next year's Daniel Bellinger, yep. next year's Kate Ottens. Like, I'll take those yes. guys in the second round here. Um, and then I got an extra 24 first and an extra 24 seconds. So I'm flush with draft capital, but I'm kind of like in the dead zone now where I'm going to have to make some moves to beat some of these teams that are sitting on already right roster construction. And they have so many more points than me. So that's the setup of the league. So what's your thoughts? Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, I, well, it's, it's, um, I don't know how important having great running back play is in this league. So I'm not too worried about your running backs being gutted. I'd actually rather have the picks. I think your wide receivers are 
I don't know, fine. I mean, you have you have you're young. You're Garrett Wilson, Chase Claypool, Rashad Bateman. You know, like you say, Gallup. We're both straddled with a Gallup on these teams, I and mean, he's just awful. I've been trying to trade off Gallup as much as possible everywhere. I just think he's overrated. You have Devontae Smith. So, I mean, I think if you look at you, I'm very, very sorry, by the way. I want to make a formal apology to you and to anybody else. You are rostering Albert Okugbunum. So I apologize uh, formally to all people about that. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, you're basically Rashad Bateman, Garrett Wilson, and Devontae Smith, and Claypool. I think Claypool was sneaky. I don't know where you got him. Did you trade for him? I would love it if you traded for him. No, No, I've had Claypool, but Claypool is my highest rostered receiver because, you know what, he's – He's better than I think our community gives him credit for. Totally. Uh, but probably, you know, we think the narrative is that he's not going to stay with the Steelers, so he's not any good. But th- this is a – it's another productive receiver that's probably been – we've overcorrected on how bad he is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine collecting Claypool shares on teams like this. I would do my best um, – I don't know what to do, man. I mean, you've got you've got some issues – um, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you kind of just have to, I guess, continue to sell pieces to get picks, I guess, because I think you can remake this team. I don't even, you know, because what, what what's going to win this league? I mean, you look at the, the team that was winning it. The first place team is like Jalen Hurts, Goddard, Kelsey, and like Eckler. And then the rest of the team is not that good. It's not, it's like, it's, it's not any better than your team after that. So it's like, I think you just need a couple of big pieces in this, and that's the quarterback. And you kind of have that. You're, you're, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything. There. Maybe find another quarterback because you only have two. So you know, in a two quarterback league, you certainly want to try to acquire, you know, quietly acquire some quarterbacks. But I wouldn't overpay just here and there. Maybe in the draft, who knows, right? Just when there's one available that you think you can buy cheap, go for it. Um, but other than that, it's like I think you're you're you're, you're steering the ship. You're very, very close to having the 1.01. Um, and we were talking pre-show about what you would do with the 1.01. Bijan's the way to go, even in this league where, you know, the the running back is not as important. I still think that's the way to go. Um, you really only need a couple playable running backs. Like two or three running backs is fine in this league. I would just be looking at quarterback and tight end because you, you can start up to six or seven tight ends. So if you can trade your firsts for like, like you say, like, you know, um, not you wouldn't trade first for Kate Otten, but you know, any of those picks for some of these tight ends, you could probably remake your team very, very quickly. And so I, I would be looking to make sneaky tight end trades. You know, when I, when I, in that other league, I traded for Hawkinson I gave up a first for him, you know, and people are like, what the fuck, you know, it's like, dude, he's one of the top 20 scorers in the league. Like, you know, so I, it's all about the scoring. And sometimes you'll find a couple owners in every league that just, you know, here's the thing too. So a lot of people are in a lot of leagues. And so they're in so many leagues. You send them a trade where it's like, you know, whatever, you're giving them this, that, and the other first round pick. And they only, they're like, wait, I only have to give up. Why do I only have to give up Dallas Goddard? And I get a first, and they just click accept. And they're like, oh, wait, that's that fucking 2.25 tight end premium league. Oops. You know, and so, yeah, I just continuously send sort of trades that seem like a little bit of an overpay in a regular league for tight ends. So that's that's one of the strategies I take. What do you think about that? I'm with you. I think uh, I actually tried to do that last year and it, it was a good thing and a lot of them didn't get accepted. Right, because you uh, bought it, the wrong guy. <laughs> well, yeah, and, yeah. you know, it would have given me probably not enough to win and right. it would have killed some of my flexibility. But, yeah, I think this is – 
I, I've been thinking about that where I know I don't want to make all five of those first rounders that I have. I don't want to make I have four firsts actually and four seconds. Four and four. I don't yeah. I don't necessarily want to make all eight of those picks. No. But if I can I trade maybe yeah. like one of the mid to late firsts and it ends up if I can trade like that for David and Joku. You know, yes. like on the surface, people go, damn, you're giving up the 106 for David and Joku. And I'm like, well, the path to getting a better tight end in this league is going to be zero because yes. I can tell you there's a couple people in this league that understood the tight end scoring from the get go. <laughs> yes. And those They're are the ones place. that have dominated the league <laughs> yeah. from the beginning. <laughs> right. And and yeah. guess what? They are they are not moving Travis Kelsey until he retires for Correct. less than two firsts. So right. it. I can't really go any higher than. And actually, I bet you could you could offer him two or three of those first. He'd be like, no, because I'm going to win. Exactly, exactly. I'm going to win the league. Why would I want to get first? I don't need first. I'm going to win, and Kelsey's going to make me win. So why the I don't want. So it's 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 not, he's almost not available to you. And nor yeah, do you and, want I, him. and I'm going to have to take the risk on the tight ends that I buy too. I'm going to have yes. to buy the the Noah Fant. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, type, yeah. and hope yes. that he's this year's you know Hayden Hurst. Or better, yes. you know, like I'm going to have to buy him when clearly the other guy isn't looking at him like, damn, I'm locked in with him, you know? Yes. So like and, in and Joku and Friar trades. Hey, you may be able to make those trades where it's like, you know, you've got the one, you know, because you're going to have like the one, one, 102, the 104, the 108 and the 112, whatever. And, you know, someone's got the 111, you've got the 104 and you can be like, yeah, I'll give you the 104, you give me the 111 and you give me Hayden Hurst or whatever, you know. David and Joku or yep. whatever, right? You may be able to not even give up quote unquote a pick, just move your pick because you'll have so much flexibility because you'll have so many of the picks in the first two rounds that you'll be able to sort of maybe make a bunch of picks. Maybe they turn into seconds, who knows what, maybe they turn into futures, but keep the pick, just move it, but also get a, you know, tight end two type of player. Yeah. I mean, I think I have to be creative because the values are, and really part of this, and you already hit this was part of this is I hate using the word exploit, but it's going to be finding the managers that are kind of just sticking to their like, because here's the thing. If you take these two leagues that we have and you plug them into like keep trade cut and then you even follow that, like you're you're kind of fucked because they're not really guiding you what you should be doing in this type of format. Right. So I need to find the guy that's like, man, I got to get that Jameer Gibbs. You know, really I'm sitting here going, I wouldn't even really draft Jameer Gibbs in the top five. Yeah. But someone might, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's fine. He's going to be great, but it's not really what this league needs to dominate. I mean, unless Jameer Gibbs literally is Austin Eckler, then yeah, that'll work, but that's very, very unlikely. And so you're absolutely right. I, I think it's like, um, what was I going to say? It's like, uh, yeah, you you want to take advantage of someone who's like, dude, Garrett Wilson in a first, and all I have to do is get, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, dude, that's it, man. You get Garrett Wilson in a first, like, you know, and they're like, whoa, I don't have to do Goddard or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. next thing you know, like, you just got the better player in both instances, but they don't even realize, they think they fleeced you. Um, you know, so that's that's the way I'd, I'd look at making some of those sort of, you know, uh, confusing if you will trades where it seems like they're winning uh on the surface like you say in a keep trade cut or a dynasty calculator type of thing yeah and that's kind of why i I took this direction with this team i made some trades like a week or two before the season because i kind of just looked at it and i'm like i already know i'm probably not in the right roster construction to win right because i see these other teams that have goddard and travis kelsey and i'm like it it's gonna be hard for me to make up points wise those teams unless 
Lamar and Dak Prescott are just like the top two quarterbacks. And then I get sneaky production out of these like streaming tight ends that I have. And so I kind of went backwards a year. Yeah. But, but now the fun part's going to be trying to find those deals that are a little unconventional. Yep. Considering the difference in values here versus a, a more standard league. So that, that should be, uh, that should be fun. This will this will be one of my bigger challenges because I do think it is quite a ways away from catching those, you know, those teams that have the, the Jalen Hurts, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard. I mean, if you just look at the That's right. the the points scored by those teams, you know, they're at fourteen hundred and I'm at uh, eight hundred. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're talking the yeah. damn near hundred points a week. So and the tight ends are big on that. Like you hit on a tight end that has one of these big weeks. I mean, it's a 50 burger and I don't have a single player that can score 50. And there's a little bit points per carry. That's like 0.15 point per carry and, um, and, um, five points for every hundred yards passing. So as opposed to four, and I thought those two little things made Josh Allen so much more valuable, like that double threat quarterback. I mean, he is by far the quarterback one in this league. You know, he's the quarterback one, but he he even does that much better because of the point per carry and then, you know, the the, the yardage. He throws for a lot of yardage. So if you get a guy who, you know, runs the ball a little bit and throws for yardage, I mean, he doesn't have to gain a lot of yards. He's getting point per carry, not a full point, but you get my drift. And so that's also a big one too that I really like, um, you know, that, you know, you just want to – sort of keep an eye on that because a lot of guys again like you say they don't look at how the scoring affects small differences so when you can take advantage of it and be like I'm, i don't know the example i'd have to look at the numbers but like you know lamar is not that guy because he doesn't throw for yardage right he does have a little bit of carry but like you're almost better flipping him for you know and, and i'm not suggesting this, but like a kyler murray who throws for more yardage and has the carries does that make sense like whereas normally without that it's you know, without the yardage bonus and without the carry bonus, you may not want to do that. No, for sure. That, that's definitely something I'll explore is the uh, pivots with these quarterbacks to to some different quarterbacks because I have the ammo that I could add to one of my quarterbacks and hit an upgrade. Uh, and I also, another thing I, I wanted to probably do is I'm okay buying on the downhill with one of these running backs that I think could get a big workload too. Yeah. The guy like a Mixon or a Zeke yeah. or a Henry and just yeah. being like, I'll give up two seconds for one of those guys in yeah. the off season when you might think that's a little bit of an overpay Yep. here. If I can just get them healthy for most of the year and I know they're getting 20 carries a game, like this is the format. I want to let those guys ride out yeah, and high low running backs. Yep. Yeah. Like, and, and like on your team, like you have Damian Harris. Yeah. That is kind of a perfect guy to have as just a throw him in on this type of team. That's yeah, cheap. A guy, you know, I'd exactly. much rather have him than Naheem Hines, right. even though their production at the end of the year might be the same. Yes. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. All right, let's talk a little bit more of a couple of things I wanted to talk about. A couple of games, and then we'll 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 call it a, we'll call it a day. I mean, well, you and I could just do this all all day, but we were we were talking a little bit about the Patriots and Jets when we went on about an hour uh, rant about each other's teams and all the rest of it. But I can't let this show go by without talking about Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones. Unbelievable. I mean. The, the the overreaction, reaction, and, you know, I posted for fun the date that Drew Bledsoe got his lung punctured by Mo Lewis as soon as they replaced Mac Jones with Bailey Zappi and he threw the touchdown. I mean, it was like, it's just like, it's so much fun, but I think there's probably a way more pragmatic and, and you know, clinical thing that happened that I can maybe explain, but what do you think of it all? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested because you're a Pats guy on your thoughts on just how this is different in the scope of like it being your team. And is there a little bit of maybe I sense a little bit of maybe vindictiveness here towards Mac Jones? Just just yeah. a little bit of so bad. We're, we're kind of maybe pissed at this guy for the way that he we didn't see eye to eye on the ankle surgery. And, you know, kind of goes back to how they how, how things were in the preseason where it was like. They're bringing in a brand new offense. Who knows what they're doing with their offensive coordinators? And yeah. but he's he he does from everything I know about him seems like the type of guy where you're like, all right, I, he's super smart, super intelligent. Like go with the flow, kind of the guy you want to be able to adapt on the fly, even if you have to eat this year and say he's basically a rookie again. I'm okay with it. But now it feels like there might be a little bit of like a fracture in the relationship and. I don't know. Maybe behind the scenes, there's more going on. But I, I will say this: I think with the Mac and Zappy uh, issue, I think we have to really be careful with calling it like a quarterback controversy. Because if you just look at the two sample sizes, they're not created equal. I can't remember who it was that had the tweet. It might have been John Daigle uh, tweeted the difference through six weeks between Zappy and Mac Jones in terms of their YPA and their throw depth and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, they're running two different offenses. Yeah. You know, they're, they're asking they Zappy to do one. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing is you can't really look at the results and say, okay, well, Bailey Zappy absolutely destroyed the Browns and Mac Jones, you know, really quite frankly, wasn't winning when he was playing, you know, the Pats right. won two games with Bailey Zappy and you're like, well, he should be the starter. And it's like, well, why, why are they winning? You know, if they right. would have done some of the stuff they did with him with Mac Jones, could they have still won those games or were they asking more out of Mac Jones early on, maybe as a challenge or who knows what it was, but right. I mean, I'm, I'm big on looking at quarterback efficiency numbers and, you know, Zappy, if you look at like EPA and CPOE, he actually is pretty good until you dive a little deeper into like what type of throws he's attempting and, and looking at, is this sustainable? Right. Like, and it, to me, the answer is no. And you saw that, like maybe the changing of the guard happened on Monday night when he literally, I mean, he got exposed on Monday night football to where it was like, yeah, he got booed off the field basically in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I, I think you got to go back to Mac Jones, but I do wonder if in-house there's still the same buy-in of like, we're building this offense around Mac Jones and we're going to get to finally a point where we're going to give him three or four years and he's still our guy. Like, I wonder if maybe that issue has changed a little bit. I think Mac is great. His efficiency as a rookie was better than everybody else in the league pretty much. And I think he was on the same track to do the, do the same stuff this year. So it's really, I, I mean, I'm buying him because of any sort of like, qualms that he's going to lose his job in new england i think he lands on his feet he's going to get another really really high valued shot think of it this way too when you talk about the offense they run like if you're playing i know it's madden but if you're playing madden and you're like the chiefs and like you're like you've got mahomes what are you running you're running like fucking deep shots you know what i mean you're running deep shots if all of a sudden like you know you're playing Madden and mahomes breaks his leg and in comes what's his name uh chad henny you're like oh shit screen <laughs> you're not or it's justin those. herbert or chase daniel yeah you're like let's throw some screens let's hand off let's see if we can grind out a win here like that's the human element of what you think you have to do in a video game let alone in a real game when you're like okay zappy's in maybe let's you know they probably do that stuff and who knows maybe it works in the short term i'm not saying zappy's not good i'm just saying like 
you talked about they did run different stuff. They did run it closer to the line of scrimmage. They did run more play action. They did run all those things way at a way different rate than they did with Mac Jones. And that may be a bad decision on one or the other, right? Maybe they should have run more of that stuff with Mac Jones. I'm not, I'm not getting into that, but they did run it differently. And uh, I was just something I was thinking about. So, yeah, of course. And then in terms of the Mac situation, I think, you know, I heard that Mac was not quite healthy. And so Bill was kind of thinking that, hey, I might need to go away from it. So I think there was a there was a story that they planned to play both quarterbacks. I don't think they planned to like play both quarterbacks. I think they planned to maybe have to play both quarterbacks it, it said differently. You know what I mean? Like we might have to play Zappy and maybe that was already ready. And then Mac was like kind of fucked up and threw a, like, and you're like, wait, are you okay? Let's, well, we're ready to do Zappy. Let's do the Zappy thing. And I think Bill is strong enough where he doesn't give a shit what the media is going to think. Like it's not a actual quarterback controversy because he gets back in that locker room and he's got everybody's ears and he's like, yeah, there's no fucking problem. Anyway, Mac, you're starting this week. And everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's not drama. That's not how they operate. So I don't think he gives a fuck. I really don't. I, Bill, that being. And so if he thought for, and he was, I guess, wrong, maybe was right. I don't know. Maybe Mac wins that game. I mean, the defense kind of lost. An, I mean, the, you know, the, they gave up a lot of points. But I just think there's not a, a quarterback controversy as much as, Look, Mac may not be an elite quarterback, and Zappy's a, probably a really, really good backup. And so they felt compelled to play his ass. And so now there is a quote-unquote quarterback controversy amongst the fans. I thought the fans were shitty for booing Mac. Like, I don't know. I think, you know, there was that Ben Volan thing that was, you know, bullshit. And then there was a, a, a lot of other, you know, reports and people just piling on Mac because Bailey is a lovable player. I mean, so I thought it was, you know, it's just one of those things that happens in fandom. But I'll tell you, if Mac goes out and wins three games in a row and torches some defenses, Patriots fans will be all happy with Mac Jones, just like every other fan base in the league. We're all fickle and we want that. So I think that's where it's at. But they're pretty well invested in Mac Jones. They're not just going to ditch him. I don't think that's happening. Uh, obviously, if Zappi had come in, and played like he did the first two drives for the rest of his career, who knows, he could start, it could be a Tom Brady thing where he plays forever, he's that good. But that was not very likely, and it didn't happen. So now they've got to go back to the drawing board, figure out what they're going to do, and they know they still have a pretty good backup in Zappy. But I think Mac Jones, you you got to see if this guy can make it happen. He was, as you point out, pretty fucking good in year one, and uh, new system, etc. I think it's still Mac Jones. Uh, job to lose. Yeah, it kind of has the vibes of uh, there was a, a quick period last year where it was the Gardner Minshew versus Jalen Hurts stuff. Bingo. You know, it was like yep. we know Jalen isn't an elite quarterback, and Minshew might be the best backup in the league. And Bingo. man, these guys are a lot closer. And Minshew comes in and wins a game, and it's like maybe and we should just stick him. with him, right? Maybe we yeah. should stick with him. But yep. yeah, well, uh, I'll just say I'm I'm in on Mac Jones even for fantasy because I think we're starting to see where. If you're an efficient passer, you can still finish as a top 12 quarterback. We saw it last year with half the guys in the top 12 were not runners. You know, Brady, Stafford, Burrow before he got back from his ACL, Cousins. Like, you don't have to be one of these elite rushing quarterbacks to finish as a top 12 guy. You can finish, you know, 5 to 12 without running the ball. And Mac isn't 
like he gets kind of shit on for his mobility, but th- there's guys that are less mobile than him. I mean, have you ever looked at like Matt Stafford's mobility for the last right. five years? It's yeah. like, it's zero, like yeah. literally zero. So like, I don't know if he's on that level, but you, you got to give yourself a shot to buy the chance that he could be. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it, I'm just in on buying that. Cause I think that he has a lot going for him. He's super smart. He adapted faster than any of the other rookies in his class. Yeah. And we were all told he hasn't, you know, he has the lowest ceiling and it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe yeah. in terms of what you, what you want to think ceiling is for Fantasy Justin Fields versus yeah, exactly right. Yeah. But, but I'm, yeah. efficiency makes money. The efficient yep. quarterbacks will keep getting chances. So even if Mac becomes another Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think a lot of Patriots fans would be disappointed if that's all he became. Right. But he's going to get how many windows to play and how many windows to sell and how many windows to buy and how many opportunities, if that's his career track, like yeah. a decade's worth. So yeah, Matt Ryan type. I mean, I know Matt Ryan was probably uh, better than, you know, people remember him as right now, but I mean, you know, never really all that prolific, um, but yep. pretty damn effective when he had weapons. So yeah, I think a quarterback's only about as good as his weapons as we're seeing with uh, Justin Fields right now and, and others, right? I mean, you know, you, you're, you're only speaking of guys who just may not be very good. And we really need to kind of examine whether they're any good at football. Tom Brady. Um, (laughs) uh, Is this it for him? What's going on, dude? Talk. I mean, I I will tell you this. I have, I mean, first of all, he threw like fucking 50 touchdowns last year, 40 something, 5,000 yards. I mean, he was really prolific last year. They bring the band back, except they get rid of Arians and their entire offensive line, which seems like the issue, right? There's been some some issues with the offensive line that I think a lot of people are saying, well, he's not getting sacked. He's getting rid of the ball too quickly. He's trying to preserve his body and also not get sacked, which is a good play. And But their rushing efficiency is terrible. The offensive line has been bad, especially up the middle, um, which is not where Brady likes pressure. He can handle it better from the outside than from up the middle. Doesn't like it. Um so I don't know if this is a, a Brady not having it or other things not coming together. Which of those two things do you think is more contributing to their struggles is what I'll say. Well, shameless plug. So I'll, I'll implore people, if you're listening to this part, go back and listen to the Destination Dynasty show that I just released this past Sunday. Yes. And I talk all about this. I talk all about quarterback efficiency. And I bucketed. Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and Russell Wilson into the same grouping of like veteran quarterbacks where I think a lot of people are wondering, are these guys cooked or not? Is this, are we on the last legs of, you know, their careers? Maybe not like their careers, like Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford retiring tomorrow. But I think there's a serious question about all four of those guys are like, are they on the significant decline, right? And I went through a bunch of numbers the last two episodes, actually. The first one was talking about fantasy efficiency, and this one was talking about like real-life efficiency. There's a little bit of a difference. Of all yeah. of them, Brady's the only one that's still maintaining, surprisingly, uh, still maintaining top 12 in CPOE and top 12 in EPA per play, which those are like the two – the, the two metrics that you're looking at to measure passing efficiency within the scope of your your offense. It's not necessarily looking at fantasy production. It's not necessarily – it's right. within the scope of your offense. So right. part of it is how good is your offense as a whole. And the idea is if you go back to like Bill Barnwell's definition of EPA, it's trying to figure out how valuable is the offense as it's functioning as a whole adding per play. Like what is your expected points added per play – 
for your offense. So in, in a system, it is a function of the system, but they measure passing efficiency basically as the offense because the quarterback is controlling every single play, basically. Right. So it, it it can be used like as a one-for-sub-one sub, one substitute for quarterback efficiency. Brady's the only one that's still in the top 12. And I think the funny thing about Brady is he is still able to do it because if I read you the top 12, the top names, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I got it. Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. Like, those are the top three. Gino you're Smith. like, okay, those those guys, yeah, well, <laughs> the, those guys are damn good passers, right? Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. Like, yeah. those are the top tier in the league, right? Then you get to the next guys, Geno Smith. He's up there, sh- shockingly. We already yes. talked about that. Yes. J- Jalen Hurts is number mm-hmm. six. And this is a guy that's run 280 plays. So I think you understand the idea of really high efficiency can look really good on a small sample size. But as soon as you start raising the sample size, the efficiency goes down, right? Bingo. Yep. So there's some guys in here where I go, oh, you know, Marcus Mariota is the 11th best efficiency quarterback in the league. But you're like, he's at 40% less volume than everybody else. Yes. And I guarantee if they doubled his volume, the efficiency would go, you know, it would plummet. Yes. So he's kind of a, a fraud in there. Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of the same thing. He's historically always been the guy where you make yeah. him throw 40 times a game, the efficiency goes in the toilet. We know yep. that. But Brady is still 12th, which tells – and he's doing it on three – he's run 323 plays. Right. Which is a lot. I mean that is that is more than Pat Mahomes who they both played seven games. And Mahomes is leading the league in pass attempts. So I look at that and I go – he still got it. There's just something about the offense that's not working. But if I had to bet on a bounce back, I'd still bet on Brady. Where yeah. I'm concerned is Russ Wilson, 24. Oof. Aaron Rodgers, 20. Matt Stafford, 19. Yeah. Kyler Murray, 22. Jesus. And if you look at Stafford and Rodgers' historical number, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, over these like four years they've measured this, he's number one in the league. Mm. And all of a sudden, he's 20? Right. So that tells me, like, man, I'm more worried about Rodgers than Brady. And, and part of that's his offense as a whole. But I don't think we can go, oh, Devontae Adams was worth 20 spots in terms of passing efficiency. Like, right. something's off. Yeah. So if I'm betting on one, man, I, I'm almost I'm almost willing to bet on Brady of the four. Yeah. The other one would be Russ Wilson. I think there's a lot of things going on there that are contributing to this. But, like, Brady's the one I go, shit, if you put him on – the Bills right now, he may still have it, yeah. yet we don't see it because his situation has gotten a lot worse. So yeah, that's my weapon, take. I his, think he's the one. But I think it's the the it's got to be the line because like weapons, you can't be like, oh yeah, but his weapons are. It's like he's got. I mean, I think it's the line. His running game's one of the worst in the league. That's another that's thing. It. He doesn't that's have the same point. running game. No running game. That's uh, my point. Yes, it's it's a lot of factors. But I, my guess, my point is, if everything clicked into play in the next four, six weeks with Tampa Bay. Yeah. I could see them. We're in week 12 and we're going, okay, they're They're trending upwards. Their offense is looking better. I'm not sure there's a fix this year for the Rams. No. And because their line is terrible too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The Rams and the Packers. I don't know if there's a fix in house shy of a, a blockbuster trade. And even then I would question whether like it can be fixed. I think there's a little hope for the Broncos. But man, the one team I'm betting that could turn it around and even make noise in the playoffs, it's Tampa Bay. Yeah, I love it. I think the uh, 
I think maybe Green Bay should go out and trade for Brandon Cooks. Maybe they could trade uh, Christian Watson for him. How about AJ Green? They're talking about that, right? That oh, would help. Jesus. Oh, did, wait, did AJ Green go somewhere? No, Aaron Rodgers apparently said today AJ Green's been a guy they've always he's oh, always wanted that? to play with. I saw the, the AJ Green. Uh, yes, oh, so that's the name stupid. they're throwing around as that help their receiver room. So, yeah, let's get some Claypool or Brandon Cooks to Green Bay, right? Right. Yes, I, I'd be down for that. Yes, I mean, what an awful pick. Maybe a guy like uh, George Pickens might be a, a player they could use. Mm-hmm. I mean, they drafted MVS instead of Devontae Adams in the second round this year. That's what they did. I said it yeah. at the time, too. So that's one receipt that I holds mean, shit, up they me. could use Tyquan Thornton or Wandale Robinson or someone like that, yeah. even, you know? But I mean, when you have Pickens on the board and you know you're and you traded uh, Devontae Adams, it's like, oh, we need a Devontae Adams replacement. Well, let's get the guy that looks exactly like MVS. Fuck it. It's like, wait, no, maybe. I just didn't understand it. I thought Pickens was like such a slam dunk for them in the second round. I, I couldn't believe they did that. So I well, thought it was slam funny dunk in the first round. Is I'm actually still willing to buy Romeo Dubs because yeah. if you're banking on there being any sort of turnaround, like the, he's going to get more opportunities. I know his market is in the toilet at this yeah. point, right? And yes. really, it's well, he should have never been anywhere in the first place, right? Maybe, but I I think that you're if you're I've always said this. I was never in on Romeo Dubs, but then all of a sudden I look up and I have seven shares in Dynasty because I kind of bought into the narrative. But you know what? Yeah. Five of those seven, they're on teams where I'm already invested in Rodgers. Right. So yeah. I'm looking at if Rodgers is going to turn it around, shy of them making a trade for Brandon Cooks or Chase Claypool or both or whatever, like he's going to have to be a part of it. Yeah. So it's just this correlation. Like I may go down. I'm 90% chance I go down with the ship with Rodgers and Romeo Dubs, right? But the outcome or at least they're, they're correlated. If there is a positive, it's, he's going to have to be involved. So just throwing that out there that if you're willing to bet on Rogers, like, Oh, he could turn it around. It's not a bad idea to go pick up Romeo dubs for a couple thirds or something like that. I just wonder if maybe with Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't know if it was like, maybe as his drug dealer, it, did he change his dealer or something? Because I feel like he was on the good drugs before, but now maybe he's doing some of the stuff. I, I think he really needs to look at the drugs he's using. You know, the ayahuasca worked. But now he needs maybe he needs something else. I'm just wondering. He needs a new doctor. Yeah, there could be so much going on behind the scenes in terms of like, is he really <laughs> invested in playing? And who knows? Uh, let me ask you this because we banter about this all the time. Yeah, we know Rogers. We know his backstory. All of that kind of stuff. Do you, and I, I'm not the only one that has said this. A lot of other people have brought this up. Do you truly think that he is the kind of guy that is? sitting there going, man, I don't want to retire in the same class as Brady. Like, wow. is he that petty yeah. that he'll go? I don't, I don't want to be wow. a lot. I don't want to be in Canton. The, the runner up to Brady's induction. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. Yes. How's that? So I'm like, if you think Brady's going to play another dude, year, I would, I'm if, thinking about Rogers if, retiring. Dude, if you were in my like circle and I was Rogers, I'd be like, Hey, great point. Yeah. I'm definitely playing an extra year for sure. Like I'd, I'd actually either retire or, <laughs> hundred percent. No, he's either that. playing one more year and retiring month. after he's playing. He's retiring after this year yes. when Brady says I'm coming back. Yes. Or if Bra- if Rogers comes back and Brady comes back, oh. Rogers is like, fuck, I got to play three more years now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. I say a hundred percent. This would matter to me 
and I'm nowhere near as petty as fucking Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, for sure it matters because you know he's getting overshadowed with Brady yeah. in the hall, right? Hundred percent. Like he's yeah. gonna be the oh yeah that that other quarterback that won one Super Bowl. He's also getting in this year. Yeah, he'll be st- he'll be standing next to him holding his purse type of thing. Like oh yeah, it's good for him. Look at this guy. Yeah, hundred percent, no doubt about it. And Brady will probably be you know holding a purse when he goes in. I'm I'm almost sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like some sort of man purse, you know, Merce yeah. or whatever they call him. Like he'll he'll be, dude. He's tur- he's getting skinny. Like has he had plastic surgery on his face? Like what's going on with Tom Brady? What is going on? I mean this. Maybe and, and I, I think I figured I, it out. I, I gotta say, he's getting. I'm sure you've seen it too. He is getting trolled daily by Antonio oh, Brown. It's so good. I can't believe you really posted that. <laughs> it's a shirt off. It was so fucking good. People are like. Mad at him for that? I thought it was the most sane thing he's done in like two years. Was that no? Because we're all thinking it, you know. But we're just like we don't want to. Nobody in the media wants to put that out there against Tom. You know what I mean? We know he's probably going through a a rough time outside of football, and it's like no one wants to say anything. And then here's AB over here, like you know what? He probably knows so much more than any of us do too. Yes, yes. And he's just like, this is the only way I can, because you know he can't go to a big media outlet and do like a tell all against Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to do that, but this is his way of like just putting out little droplets of, all right, there's a lot of shit going on behind the scenes that this isn't Mr. Golden boy that we all know him as, you know, like that's his only outlet to like, let it go without, you know, he's, he's, he's holding back for his tell all book, the AB book where, you know, that will be interesting when it comes out in like five years. Well, he may not have done the tell all, but he's certainly been no, had no problem with the show all. Uh, right. As right. he's more than happy to, uh, you know, share his, his penis. <laughs> that was, that, that was, I mean, that was disturbing actually. It really was. Not like, a lot, of, not a lot of uh, humans can get away with that and it just oh. be like, oh, oh, well, no big uh, yeah, deal, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. As Bill Simmons used to say, that was the Tyson zone. You know, as soon as someone gets, uh, Antonio Brown may be the new Tyson zone. Like you could, yep. you could tell any story about Antonio Brown. I'd be like, Oh really? That happened? Like, you know what I mean? Any story I'd be like, Oh wow. I, I believe that you wouldn't be like, no, no that would never happen. Anything. Yep. I believe anything. So, well, we got to go. Hey, by the way, um, you mentioned it briefly. Congratulations uh, on an awesome partnership and joining up with destination Devi. Tell the, tell, tell me, uh, tell me, tell the people, you know, I mean, I know you've told how it happened, but just kind of, you know, what you think about this. This is awesome. You and Ray G, and I'm, I'm happy for you is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so, I mean, I've I've been doing my own thing for a long time, you know, doing my own podcast. And, uh, you know, Ray and I met a long time ago. Like, I was one of the first podcasts that Ray was ever on. And yeah. um, he was on Dynasty Chill a lot. So, we became pretty close. Like, you know, we've been connecting for, for years. And outside of the fantasy space, you know what I mean? Like behind the scenes working this. And, but I was really never a part of like destination Devi. I was a patron of his, I followed all of his work, like respect the shit out of the brand that he's built and yes. the grind that he puts in. Yep. Uh, and quite frankly, he has grown as like a fan, as a dynasty player, you know, yep. he used to be someone that had a specific sector, you know, he came in as like the Devi guy, the film guy, but now like, Dude's one of the sharpest dynasty players. Like he's thinking like we are. Yeah. But yet he also has like the company that he's built and this brand and he has the football experience and everything to go with it. So I'm like, dude, this is like the most well-rounded dude in the space. Like he can get on and talk about anything. Yep. And so he asked me a while back, like, hey, you want to be part of uh, 
the Destination Devi team. Like we need somebody to lead our dynasty content. Like you're the one that I, I, I would go to first. Yeah. And I was always hesitant to put myself out there as like taking anything that I've created, like my own brand and like giving it to control to somebody else. You know what I mean? Right. Like yes. giving up the autonomy of like, when I have my, when you have your own podcast, you do whatever the hell you want. You say what you want. You talk to who you want, the topics or whatever you want. So I was kind of a little hesitant, but then finally, you know, he's like, you know what? That basically made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. And I'm like, dude, all right, I'll do it. And it's been, it's been great. Like over there, essentially, like my job is to grow the dynasty platform and yeah. you like the dynasty flagship of content. So there, I, it's just getting started. I have no clue what's in the works. I know he's got a lot of stuff behind the scenes that he's working on, but I think it was a good move for you, man. I really, it's really do. just I think that. It was great. You know, I mean, because it comes from, a, you didn't, you know, there's a certain amount of sellout where it's like, you know, a big, a, you know, a big brand comes after you and says, Hey, we want you to do that. And you're like, I know what this is. That's not what this is. This, this is, actually, is organic. Like yes. I would give my heart and soul for the brand. Cause I believe in him and I believe yes. in what he's building. So it's yes. not like, Hey, let's take a quick buck over here no. and yeah, sell out it, and then man. have them control everything. Yeah. You see that shit all the time. Yeah. But we see it with what you're doing and you're not doing that. And I love it. So I just want to let the people know to go check it out. Cause Ray G has always been, you know, real with me and I've always gotten along with him and, you know, I've had him on the show and, you know, um, it, it, I, I love it. I, I've, I've, I've always clicked with you. So I, anybody who listens, listens to me or is, is a fan of the undroppables should be checking you out. Cause you, you know, we're in the same streets in all the respects. So I just think it's awesome. Tell the people where they can find that show. I know it's destination, destination Debbie, but, um, where else you're at just to make sure that they know where to find you, my friend. Yeah, so Twitter is at Charles Chill FFB. The show is on the Destination Devi feed. It is called Destination Dynasty. It comes out every Monday morning, every podcast platform. Uh, shortly, it will be a YouTube live stream as well. So the YouTube fans are uh, always clamoring me for to go to go on YouTube and do it there as well. So that will be coming definitely in the off season. We'll be basically doing every show live. Uh, and then uh, I do have my own YouTube channel, which is at Trades in Five. Myself and Shane Manila and uh, Clay Mosley. We run a a channel called Trades in Five. It's it's weekly dynasty live streams, and it's literally just like a Q and A on trades and strategy, and it's just degenerates that are talking dynasty constantly. So if you're bored on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock, and it's like that weird time between the end of the prior week and before you're getting into like lineups and injuries, that's why we do the live streams on Tuesday night because it's it's like the perfect time to do it. So check out that it's at Trades in Five on YouTube. Just give us a follow. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Connor is the man. Love it. Love you. Thank you so much for coming on. I've, I've, I've told you a bunch of times that we should do a lot of shows because we can just, we don't need a show sheet. As a matter of fact, we had a show sheet. We didn't even do it. We just find a, a little bit of a lane and it just keeps going. So I think the, I think the people love that show. One of my best shows last year and most listened to shows was a show you were on. I think people love it when we get together. So I am grateful to have you on and and all that sh stupid shit, but you're the man. Love you, bro. Yeah, you as well, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. We'll do it. Uh, we do it more frequently. We got to do these like in uh, different times during the dynasty calendar, an in Bingo. season, an off season, a draft season. Like at yep. we got to do this at least three times a year in the different, yep. different sections of the year. Cause it's, it's literally different at all times. So appreciate yep. you, man. Love it. All right, man. I appreciate you. And on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of, of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of the one win Philadelphia 76ers fan and the greatest producer in the land, Michael P Duncan. 
we were graced by Scott Connor, and I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.